Hey, I'm David Arquette, and you're listening to the Below the Belt show, or the Click on This show, or you're just talking to me and listening to me ramble on about nothing, really. Hope you enjoy it. The Below the Belt show is closed caption for the hearing impaired. It is now time for the bad boys of Baltimore. Pips up. Goes down. names but nonetheless we are here for your weekly pleasure once again we've ex- we uh, tonight we have a very special panel uh all of us are actors on the panel which is great um and i think it's uh very uh very fitting for the the topic of the week which we're going to get to in a little bit but let's do some introductions uh let's go ahead and start with that's right he is actor extraordinaire. You might have seen him in Wonder Woman 1984. You might have seen him The Good Lord Bird. You might have seen him on other amazing shows. And he's going to be in a big show this year that hopefully he'll be able to talk about in the future. Vinnie Mac himself, Vince Eisenson. Welcome back to BTB. What's up, BTB? Good to see you. Good yeah. to hear you. Good to see you. Good to hear you. It's an all-actors panel. I'm really excited about this. So let's go ahead and also introduce, that's right, from the depths of Dathomir, the Sith planet, (laughs) as he's starting to (laughs) set up and join us, guys. He is actor extraordinaire. He is seven foot tall, and you can't teach that. It's Paul Darth Wallace. Welcome back to BTB. Hi, uh, nice to meet you. Uh, <laughs> nice to meet you. You know who the heck you are. <laughs> yeah. I, I've I never seen no. Paul. Wow, this is the first time I've seen Paul. Paul is, uh, Paul is not being camera shy tonight. I, mean, I literally just got out of my car, so. Okay. <laughs> All right. Paul, thanks for, uh, for coming back here on BTB. Um, right. Let's go ahead and introduce, um, returning to BTB, we had him on as a guest, and this week we're bringing you on as guest co-host. He is an actor extraordinaire, uh, weapons expert. Um, the list goes on and on. He'll kick your ass. He's Victor Dobro. What's Welcome up, guys? Back to Thank you for having me again. Appreciate it. Absolutely, Vic. Uh, good to have you back on BTB. You ready to be a guest co-host? This is the first time you're going to be a guest co-host. Let's do it. I'm going to add that to the rest. I love it. I love it. Wow. So um, I think all of us are, is everybody here Screen Actors Guild? 
Yeah. Everybody here is yes, yes. Screen Actors Guild, and of course, yes, um, that is the the Actors Union, Film and Television Union, which uh, is a great club to be a part of. And I thought we'd um, start with our um, special topic of the week uh, is um, to go around the panel and talk about what your dream role would be as an actor, what genre would that particular project be, and what scene partner out of any celebrity or anyone you want would you like to have um, you can pick existing project. You can just make up a project. Doesn't matter. Um, and uh, get the cre creative juices flowing. I'm sure many times there's a particular actor that you admired, a particular actress you had the hots for that you wanted to work with. Nonetheless, we're gonna go around the panel. Let's start with Vinnie Mac. Vinnie Mac. Um, oh wow. <clears throat> yeah. Could you uh, the dream role, dream genre, dream scene partner? Go. You can't pick just one, but I'll try to narrow it down. So dream project, I think I missed my chance, but I really wanted to be on Better Call Saul. I, I thought I could be like, you know, Paul, his cousin, you know, my so that was one. The next one could still happen. I would love to be any of the serial killers on Mindhunter. Ooh. Any of them. I and, worked on uh, that. Show. It was actually pretty good. Oh, you worked on it? Yep. Yeah, the film's up in Pittsburgh. It does. I think it might come back. So there's still a chance. There's still a chance. Yep. And the third so. thing, I would love to do a sh any Shakespeare movie with Ethan Hawke, my man, Ethan Hawke. All right. Wow. And uh, why Ethan? Um, I think he does Shakespeare on film really well. And, you know, I got to act with him before, so I'd love to do yes. it again. <laughs> that's That's a great answer. I love it. I love it. All right, let's let's go on to Darth Darth Paul Wallace. Oh man, you you get gun from me on the spot. Huh? Yeah, yeah. I'm going to try to do my show, The Outsiders. I'm bringing that back. Um, I'm also okay. going to the movie I would want to do is maybe like a Smokey and the Bandit, just because my driving skills. Um, and like a reboot I, of Smokey and the Bandit, you'd love to. Like do a something. reboot of Smokey and the Bandit, well, maybe a sequel, because I mean I, I don't I don't like the reboot thing. So I mean something different, but in the same genre or same universe. Um, that pays respect to the original film. Pays respect for the original. Yeah, I mean, like The Mandalorian I, pays respect to Star Wars. I get it. Yeah, and I wouldn't mind working with Sylvester Stallone again. I worked with him twice on a couple different films, and he seems like a really cool guy. He's nice. Um, he's just a true class act. Awesome. What about Victor? I know you threw out some uh, examples a little earlier, but maybe you can narrow it down to um, a few things. <laughs> I couldn't think of any, and then I just started r running them off. But um, yeah, yeah. I think one of my, I think Denzel's got to be my favorite actor right now, and it may change, but right now it's it's Denzel. Same thing uh, with him. I would say uh, Training Day, uh, the Billy Hoyt uh, role. When I watched that, uh, I mean, you know, I was still an officer at the time, you know, still, but I really like that one. The Breaking Bad is a great show. So maybe as a DEA agent, uh, Hank Schrader. Game of Thrones as Jon Snow with Amelia Clark. Heck yeah. Heck yeah. I love Amelia Clark. I like Harbor. Other people are like, eh, but I Pearl Harbor and Ben Affleck's role. And then yeah. um, action. And you're talking about genres. So it's, you know, that's a, you know, a, what, World War II uh, movie. So period piece, war movie, uh, which are really cool. Um, but yeah, scenes with Kate Beckinsale. So like, oh, I, think, yeah. I think that's like my third favorite movie. Uh, Friday 13th part 3D is my favorite, but uh, I think yes. for 
Nice. I love it. That's awesome, man. Well, everybody knows I'm the biggest Star Wars fan, so I, um, <laughs> that's the genre I'm going to go for in the Star Wars universe. I would love to see more of Amelia Clark. I know you mentioned her, Victor, but I, I love Amelia Clark. Um, in a Corellia series or Corellia movie, more on young, maybe even like a sequel to the Solo movie. Yeah, that would be pretty cool. Yes. I would like to work alongside Amelia Clark and um, and someone who's a super huge Star Wars fan, we mentioned on the show, but has not done a Star Wars movie yet for whatever reason, is Leonardo DiCaprio. Really? So oh, wow. I would like Leo right. to be the um, the Sith Lord, the, the villain. Wait, I, I can't be, be the like, Sith Lord? Well, I mean, this is a dream, Paul. You're not on the top of the <laughs> dreams. Uh, well, thank you. <laughs> I would choose Leonardo DiCaprio as the main villain, and I would love to work alongside Amelia Clark in this Corellia, which is the planet where Han Solo's from, um, series or uh, feature film. Um, I mean, who doesn't love the Mother of Dragons, man? The Queen of the Unburnt, the Breaker <laughs> of Chains. I right. mean, she is just uh, amazing in so many ways, and I, I love that she's. Um, you know, she's a Game of Thrones fandom. She's in Star Wars fandom. She's in the Terminator fandom, you know, and she's like, she's like the actress that all she needs now is Marvel. And that's it. You know, she's like pretty much uh, <laughs> covered the, the gamut of all the genres. Now so. that you say that, has Leo ever been in any franchise? That's the thing. I remember reading about Leo not wanting to do anything that had a sequel. And usually franchises do have sequels. Yeah. And if you think about it, there hasn't been any sequels of anything that Leo's appeared in. He's like but one of the he, only stars who's never had a sequel of any kind. Yes, exactly. Huh. And um, he doesn't do television. There's just like certain things that he doesn't do. Yeah. Wait, wait, wait a second. He did television. He was on a back in the well, day. Wasn't he on well, a, Growing Pains or yes, whatever. Yes, Growing Pains. With Johnny Alonzo, right? I think Johnny Alonzo was on Growing Pains. <laughs> I, think, I think John was in the uh, Growing Pains reunion. Right, right, right. Shout out to John. Um, but uh, those are great answers, guys. You know, and I hope, I hope, uh, you know, uh, our dreams come true. I mean, we're, we're all hustling out there as actors. And uh, obviously, there's a lot of challenges. Um, you know, um, of course, you have an impressive room. You got to. Um, you know, nail that audition and you hope that the, the client or the producer or the showrunner selects your tape and, you know, uh, a lot of the sadly is out of our hands unless we create our own content, of course. But uh, um, before we, I wanted to go into everything Hollywood entertainment, um, I did want to talk about an amazing, awesome screening that we went to last Wednesday. That's Turf Valley um, starring Vinnie Mac himself and Sizenson. Mm-hmm. And some other great actors. I make a cameo appearance myself as the bass guitarist of the uh, the Lemon Gentleman Band, which uh, Vince is the frontman for. Um, I gotta say, Vince, what a quality production web series! It was funny. It made me laugh. It uh, pulled on the heartstrings. It was um, it was so well produced. I mean, there's so many great things I can say about this yeah, web they- series. And now that we, we've seen it and we can talk about it a little bit, I guess we can't really talk about too much of the plot, but overall, how, how was your uh, overall experience on that project? I, I got to agree. I mean, it was just such a 
professional team and they mm -hmm. like you said they produced the hell out of that thing um and it was fun it was fun i i got to read a review somebody sent oh cool it's biased because the person who sent it is my mom oh. it's, a, <laughs> it's a good review it's a good review she says she says um she loves the way it all came together she's eager to watch it over again as the characters have grown on me they're all so wow. different yet they play off each other so well you were awesome in the band blah blah blah. she loves the band starring yeah. al soto and <laughs> the song is stuck in her head you got to hear this song yeah series has great potential it's witty funny charming reminds her of ted lasso and schitt's creek wow those are great comparisons man yeah i'm watching it let's throw out the official website turfvalleyshow.com season one is streaming on zolo as part of the santa monica international film festival so i believe that's the only way we, we can see it right now but hopefully yeah. we'll, we'll be able to see this on broader platforms i'm assuming yes we are hoping to get it into eyeballs by the summer i think i think yes yeah Yes, yes, yes. I mean, um, it's great to see uh, a DMB produced project that is equivalent of a quality of anything um, that's a studio, you know, Hollywood studio production. I mean, uh, we're talking some of the best, the best that were, were the DPs and of course the showrunners himself, Adam and Thomas and Amazing. You have, you know, first rate actors, you know, like yourself, you know, and uh, the rest of oh, the cast. Well, thank just, you. But yeah, I'm, I, yeah. you know, I'm the least ex of the three main guys. I think I'm the least experienced, and that's good. I, I like to be in a position where I can learn. So these other guys have been on. Hell, Jason, I saw him in NYPD Blue from like the '90s. This guy's been doing it forever. Oh wow. Um, okay. And we have a few Super Bowl uh, champions in the show. So if you're a Washington football team fan, you're gonna like that. Yeah, we we can mention because it's on the trailer. Sure, I guess we can. Yeah. yeah, it's in the trailer on the website, so it's Charles Mann. Charles Mann and yeah. Ricky Irvins is in it. Ricky Irvins is right, right. Yeah, yeah so, so some Hall of Famers in there, of course. Uh, and season two, I think we're, we're going to try to get Victor and Paul in it, so we'll make. This oh happen. wow! Look at that! Wow, that's awesome. We'll make it happen. Yeah, Victor, uh, keep us all a little posted uh, since we last had you on. What you've been up to? Um, in the, so in the acting industry. Yeah, yeah. Well, the current project I'm still doing is the uh, I, I, we can we can give it the title um, working title is the clowns. So yes. If you if, if you think about it, like if I think about it, it's the most uh, that I've done on any project really for the, like the most filming days. So, I mean, it's going on a couple months now. I just <clears throat> talked excuse me I talked to the producer earlier today uh, tonight, and we're about 75, 80 percent done. Um, so take a few breaks here and there, but um, I only have a few pickup scenes, but really excited um, about that project. Yeah, tell us a little, a little bit about the synopsis of the, of the project, if you could. Yeah, without giving away too much, but it's basically a horror uh, horror series, and it's going to be eight, ep eight episodes. It's episodic, and it's going to be pitched to streaming services, but we're pretty confident uh, that the producers, everything he's done has been distributed. So that's a good sign. So, but apparently the, from what I'm hearing and researching is a lot of these streaming services, unless you're one of the big time director and producers, they want to see what you have first before they pick it up. And I'm right. writing the check and paying you to film things. So um, we, we're confident that once everything gets out there, that it will be no problem being able to get a, a streaming service contract. 
but it's basically um, the premise is it's called The Clowns, and it's a horror film, a horror TV show. So you put two and two to two and two together. But small town atmosphere, um, you know. What I, the, 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 my favorite part is, and I had a lot of actually input and in, um, like not really script review, but like just feedback and everything. Everything from the the police patch that the officers wear <laughs> signed after wow. my former agency, and it was changed up a bit. But uh, you know the feedback I'm given and, and, and stuff on set. But it's uh, you don't you, usually these these series and films you don't see many officers. You see like maybe one or two, maybe a couple in the background. Like this television series has like a like a like they have more manpower. This this made up um, um, uh, town has more manpower than most real agencies I know of. <laughs> so, wow. <laughs> it's, it's That's really awesome. I can tell you, man. The, the cinematography and just I'm learning that but like the way they light the set um the way they're moving around uh the camera and even though I don't know the different terms for panning and and, and switching and going back and forth uh, all I know is what I'm seeing looks great uh and I'm getting a lot of behind the scenes pictures and uh the producers allow me to do that which is the opposite of an NDA where you can't even say what you're doing right um, so He's okay with with putting it out. They're gonna. He's gonna have a, you know, hopefully wrapped later next month. Will be an IMDb page and uh, put materials. But we're about three quarters of the way done. So, I imagine kind of inspired by a lot of the clowns and horrors like uh, like it and Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Yeah, what I'm telling people is everyone's kind of heard of it, so it's very similar to it, but it's also a little bit of a terrifier, uh, which is a very like you know, gruesome gore, uh, you know, B, B horror film with uh, Art, Art the Clown. Um, so it's a kind of combination of that, but it's also episodic. Uh, so it's kind of like maybe like Fear Street, uh, that new series, that, that newer series on Netflix. Yes. So it's a combination of all three, but I really like the, like the small town vibe with it. So it's exciting. I mean, I'm putting more into this than I think I have since Walking Dead as far as like numbers of days. Um, all right. It's fun, yeah, I got I got to kind of set up Vic here a little bit. This guy is a beast. He yeah. n- not only has he helped, he's basically well, I don't know what I can say. He's helped a lot of people get on this project, and I've seen even on set, I've seen him like consulting on dialogue, on wardrobe, on police procedure, and he's brought in a lot of actors. And um, props to the producer for you know some producers are really tight fisted; they don't trust anyone. This guy's really given Victor a lot of leeway to actually help and make the project better. So it's awesome when you find actors who are good actors and want to help get other people work. So that is amazing. I love hearing that. Yeah. And uh, let's uh, talk to Paul a little bit. Paul, uh, do you have any uh, latest uh, projects and anything you want to promote? Um, nothing right now. I mean, I am working on okay. that one Outsiders thing. I mean, still building sets. Okay. And it's tough to build a whole town, but I'm working on it. Um, I, do some precision stunt every so One man is building an entire town. Wow. What's, what's that? <laughs> I mean, um, what's that catchphrase? Takes a takes an army to build a something, an empire, something along those lines. But uh, um, hey, man, best of luck with that, Paul. Definitely, man. What, are you talking about outsiders like the the WGN show? Yes, that was on the TV show. Okay, and you're working on like a spinoff of it's it it's going to be like taking place a little after season two it's going to be like 
and it's going to include a lot of like the original people who are part of the Farrell family because I'm friends with most of them and we've done stuff together before. So, Sweet. Nice. so it's going to kind cool. of continue the story without right. some. But on an independent level. It's on an independent level, yeah. Right. Very, very cool. All right. Well, awesome. Well, this is really cool. Everyone's up to some really cool stuff. So we're going to uh, pivot now to talk about everything going on in the world of entertainment and pop culture. Uh, in our top 20 style. Uh, so uh, here we go with BTB Presents the Entertainment segment. It is time for the Hollywood Report. That's hot. That's bananas. That's off the chain. Yeah, those are former DMV guys. Now Hollywood sellouts. Good Charlotte. No, we're just joking, Benjamin Joel. They're good guys. The real good guys. Um, old friends. Old friends. <laughs> All right. Well, we always talk talk about the box office, but uh, if you heard the opening promo, you heard David Arquette. It was awesome to do an in person interview with him years ago. Um, Scream is no longer the number one movie. It was the number one movie last week, but Spider Man No Way Home. Back on the top of the box office. Can you believe it? Spider-Man is back to number one. This movie's been out since, like, yeah, December. And a month later, still at the top of the box office, made another $14 million over the weekend on, on top of their, you know, almost billion. Um, so uh, pretty, pretty impressive. Um, Scream slipped down to number two. Um, and... Um, you know, I haven't seen it, but it was kind of hard to st- stay away from spoilers. So, uh, um, you know who anything, the killer is? Well, I know who dies. Sadly, oh, okay. I do know that there's a, and uh, if if there's a little bit of a clue, um, just listen to the opening promo. That's all I gotta say. <laughs> Sorry. Um, third place was Universal Sing Two. Uh, fourth place was a new film on the top five called Redeeming Love. Um, this is Francine Rivers' um, adaptation of her best-selling book. Stars Abigail Cohen as a prostitute who falls in love with Tom Lewis, a man of fate. Wow. Talk about opposite side of the spectrum. A man of fate and a prostitute falling in love. I mean, that's just completely wild. <laughs> and rounding out the top five is The Kingsman. So, uh, <clears throat> Actually, did you see The Kingsman? That was a good film. Kingsman was great. Yeah, the Kingsman movies are, are, are always very action-packed, you know. I usually try to wait to for them to have the home releases over rushing to the theater okay. to see them. But uh, nonetheless, you know. Um, but, yeah, let's start the top 20. So uh, coming up uh, in number 20. So this is um, an interesting one because not only does it involve a Disney live-action remake, which is always cool, but also controversy surrounding it so i know a couple people here are game of thrones fans yes let's talk about it and it's of course one of he's such a great actor peter dinklage Tyrion lannister for game of thrones who said in an interview he has a problem with the live action snow white and the seven dwarves now as you know peter dinklage is a little person um he said that they can have a hispanic playing snow white which is great he says that's you know uh, moving um, moving forward, but yet having seven dwarves is not moving forward. So 
obviously Peter takes offense no, wait, wait. to his depiction of the dwarves, you know, the seven dwarves living in the cave. Uh, yeah, I don't think it was the seven. I don't think it was dwarves. I think it was the fact that they were living in a cave. Oh, it was the living in the cave. Oh. Okay. I think it was them living in the cave. I don't think it has to do with anything with the doors, I think. I mean, I think that's the thing. Peter Dinklage has worked so hard in his career to... People don't even notice that he's a little person, you know? He, he's done that, that, that X-Men movie. He's done um, that movie I Care A Lot on Netflix, where his stature is not even brought up. He's just yeah. delivering amazing acting in every project that he does. I, I, um, I, I understand where he's going. Cause he said, there's a lot of hypocrisy going on. He said, you know, he said they were very proud to cast Latina actress, a snow white, but you take a step back, uh, by still having the dwarves. So Disney actually issued a response and they said, um, to avoid stereotypes in the original animated film, we're taking a different approach with these seven characters and have been consulting with members of the dwarfism community. So um, apparently there'll be like seven little magical characters, but maybe not be associated with the word dwarf at all, I guess. Um, I don't know. I, I, you know, I mean, granted we've, we've come to a, a politically correct uh, way of uh, filmmaking and uh, you know, I mean, Honestly, I think that's going to end sooner or later. People are starting to get sick of that, but that's just my opinion. Yeah, I mean, on paper it sounds amazing. I mean, you got Gal Gadot as like the evil, the evil witch, and you know, you have Rachel Zegler from West Side Story playing Snow White. Clearly, Peter Dinklage will not be one of the dwarves. (laughs) I'm sure he's going to turn that one down. I heard rumors he might be. They they say he's in talks for it. Um, I know. He's going to be all I, seven. I think, I think what he's There's afraid no of is he like the guy from uh, the Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory remake. The, Vern the Troy. Was it Vern Troyer? Or, uh, uh, yeah. no, Vern Troyer said he's the guy. He was many me. Many me, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. I guess <laughs> I could understand where he's coming from. He could be one. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I think Peter is at that level in his acting career where it's, it's those, those aspects are not really um, the, the having the character be clearly needing to be a little person, a dwarf, a short stature, whatever. He doesn't need to do that anymore. So um, but if seven dwarf actors were offered this part, that, that would be a good thing, right? Because you're putting those guys to work. Yes. Yeah. That, that'd be kind of amazing if that yeah. happened. So that's like a thing. Film. Uh-huh, they used all normal sized guys and they just made them look small. And I don't think that was right either. Yeah, that's true too. So I don't know how they're going to handle it. Which I, I don't know if that was the right move either. To do it that yeah. Way. I think there's just going to be magical characters. So uh, we'll just have to wait and see what Disney does with that. Um, all right. Um, <laughs> all right. Number 19 on my list is a more, the Mortal Kombat sequel officially greenlit. Uh, really? In the works, yes. They kind of hinted, if you saw the Mortal Kombat movie, which I did enjoy, and of course I loved the video game back in the day, um, uh, Moon Knight has the, the the actual writer of Moon Knight, um, Jeremy Slater, uh, has been tapped to write the screenplay of this uh, second um, Mortal Kombat film. Um, and it did really well at the box office. And of course, you know, there was a lot of 
Hanging Plots. We didn't get to see Johnny Cage. Um, and a, a few other favorite characters, even though a lot of people died in that particular <laughs> film. Sorry for those that uh, hadn't seen it yet. But um, all right, number 18 on my list. Um, interestingly enough, John Krasinski. <laughs> I don't know why. It's, it's, uh, on why is that interesting, right Al? Now. What's interesting? I don't know why. Okay. But he's going to reunite with Steve Carell on a film. Yes. Uh, so these are two stars of The Office um, that will reunite on screen in Paramount's new family movie called If. Um, and Krasinski's writing, directing, and starring in the film, um, which is pretty cool. The logline has yet to be revealed, but it's based on Krasinski's original idea about a ch- child's journey to rediscover their imagination. Um, so look out for that film. Um, should be pretty cool. Um, I mean, it's an office reunion, you know? I mean, that's kind of cool for you office fans, right? Heck yeah. Yeah, and that will be released on Thanksgiving. Um, and interesting enough, a Christmas movie that will be in production is um, a direct sequel to A Christmas Story with the original actor Peter Billingsley. Um, Didn't repro- they already have a Christmas story too? Yeah, but this was called a Christmas Story Christmas. Yeah. This is a Christmas story reloaded, right? Yes, reloaded. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> oh, I think they need to add Macaulay Calkin in that one too, to be honest with you. Oh, so the tie at home alone and uh, a Christmas story? That would be interesting. Um, but I think it's cool that the original actor is coming back, you know, and now he's you know, he's an old guy now, right? I mean he was a kid then. Um, but uh um yeah, they they um I mean, the Christmas story is just such has been such a uh, such a beloved Christmas movie that kind of pushed the envelope, you know, during its time, you know. Um, but definitely one of the most beloved holiday movies. You know, was time. it was Art Lafleur in that? The recently deceased Art Lafleur. Yeah, Wasn't I he think the, so. Yeah, I think he was yeah. the dad. Yeah, yeah, he was the easiest the dad. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yep. I wonder yeah. if he was able to be in this one or if he died before that. We'll find out. Yeah, well, it's it's going into production, so. Oh, okay, then yeah. Yeah, yeah. so <laughs> I don't unless the going to have a bag lamp too. <laughs> right. All right. So apparently, a celebrity that was canceled, but he's uncanceling himself, is now back to work. So apparently, Johnny Depp, who had been canceled from the uh, Fantastic Beasts um, film. Um, apparently um, is not completely canceled because he's going to be starring in a film uh, as French King Louis XV in the next film directed by French Helmer Malwin. Um, the title is, um, and the plot are kept under wraps, but you know what? You know, he's back to work, you know? Um, granted, you know, he didn't win that libel suit in England. Um, but at the same time, Amber Heard continues to work on right. Aquaman and is ha- and has heard on audio beating the fuck out of Johnny Depp. Um, so she still continues to work. In my um, opinion, no one is ever really canceled forever unless you're a government employee. Then if you're canceled, you're, can- you're canceled. Oh, okay. That's what it is. Okay. Celebrities <laughs> and actors. Oh, they or Kevin Spacey. Yeah. Well, well, Kevin, well Kevin. he's if you look at his IMDb... <laughs> He's still work. Is he? I know a yeah. producer with him recently. <laughs> See, there you go. 
Yeah, it will take a while. It takes a while to forget, you know. Um, but eventually, you know, I mean, look at which is number which is number uh, fifteen on my list is uh, Mark Wahlberg. Not Mark Wahlberg, sorry, Mel Gibson, who's starring with Mark Wahlberg. As you know, Mel Gibson was kind of canceled for a little while for his anti-Semitic tirade back in the day, you know, when he was pulled over. He was drunk. I don't even think he was sober when he was saying that, so I don't know. Yeah, I mean, but, you know, I mean, he continues to have a career. Um, But uh, this is a new movie called Father Stew. So Mark Wahlberg and Mel Gibson uh, tells the story of a boxer-turned-priest Father Stuart Long and his inspiring journey from self-destruction to redemption. Um, I have a question. Um, Didn't he do a movie with Mark Mark Wahlberg as his dad before? uh, What was that? The one with Will Ferrell? Yeah, Daddy's Home 2, right? Right. He's played his dad before, too, yeah. Mark Wahlberg's dad in that film. I could be wrong. Yeah, he does. I think you're right. I think you're right, actually, yeah. Um, Which I think... uh, yeah, it's amazing that it's another tie-in to another movie where it's completely the same father and son, too. So, interesting, interesting tie-in there, Paul. Very, very good. All right. Number 14 on the list is uh, let's talk about some of the Sundance Film Festival highlights. As you know, completely virtual this year. No in-person. I was actually supposed to be out there. Sadly, I'm not. But uh, some of the great films that you, that are just have gotten great reviews include... A film that was shot in Pittsburgh called Cha Cha Real Smooth. Mm. Sure, Big Paul, you might have worked on that. I know you kind of hit the Pittsburgh market a little bit, right? I didn't really work on Pittsburgh yet this year, so. I see. Did you work on it, or? I didn't, but I wish I did because one of my favorites, Dakota Johnson's in it. Um, And uh, (laughs) so basically, uh, Dakota Johnson um, plays opposite a character who's goofy and kind spirited, and. this character actually brightens her life and her autistic daughter. So it's kind of like, uh, yeah, I mean, it's a little bit of a love story, you know, but obviously you have something complicated when you're dealing with a parent with an autistic kid, you know, kind of puts another dynamic into it. Um, but um, it also involves a lot of dancing as well. Um, so that, that, that film has been making waves at Sundance. Um, also, the, um, the abortion legalizing Roe versus Wade um, topic is uh, is all about this movie called Call Jane, um, which stars uh, Elizabeth Banks and Sigourney Weaver. Uh, tells a story about an underground movement to provide abortions in Chicago, and open up about a woman's right to choose. Um, so, of course, that's uh, that's you know. A biopic, but it's a very sensitive topic, you know, obviously. Um, but nonetheless, um, another film uh, that's uh, that's been highlighted at Sundance Film Festival. Um, this next film kind of, well, it's because I auditioned for it and I didn't book it, but <laughs> it's Rebecca Hall's film Resurrection, which is a psychological thriller that starts mm-hmm. off... Uh, uh, promisingly, before swerving into a very serious derangement, um, and uh, apparently has been compared to 1994's Arnold Schwarzenegger's comedy Junior, um, which is a very interesting comparison. Very odd film to be compared to. Can you say uh, who you auditioned for? Were you the doctor? I was an Uber driver. Ah, nice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know what movie you're talking about. 
Yeah. I know what movie. This okay. shot in like Albany or something, right? Yes, that's right. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Ari Aster, I think, is directing I it. For that role, man. Yeah. God damn it. Um, this is a really cool film. Um, stars Colin Farrell, Justin H. Min, and Haley Lou Richardson. It's called After Yang. Um, it's a futuristic story about a family sent into a tailspin by the malfunction of its robotic servant and caretaker. As you know, AI is making a lot of uh, advancements in today's technology. It's a very fascinating field, that artificial intelligence. And uh, the one with Jude Law, that was like my favorite. What was that called? Was it AI? What was it called? Um, yeah, AI. AI the Spielberg was the one, one yeah. Love, right, the Spielberg one. That was a fantastic film. Trying that one sometimes. Yeah. Ex Machina is another favorite one of mine as well. Um, that genre is really like iRobot. iRobot was another good one, too. Yeah, very good. Yeah, all great movies about AI. Um, Every Black Mirror episode, basically. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> All right, so this is an interesting one. Um, number 14 on my list is Evan Rachel Woods' documentary um, that would have been in the previous um, number 15. However, there's a lot of controversy with it. And it's a documentary called Phoenix Rising, where she said that she was essentially raped on camera while filming the 2007 music video for Marilyn Manson's Heart-Shaped Glasses. So it features... Um, Evan Rachel Wood wearing Lolita-inspired heart-shaped glasses and having sex with Manson while fake blood rains down them. Uh, and she was 19 at the time. Apparently, she was given absinthe on set to the point that she was barely conscious. And apparently, Manson impenetrated her on camera in the music video. Um, and she talked about this in this documentary called Phoenix Rising, Pretty, pretty crazy, pretty fucked up. I, I mean, we all know that Marilyn Manson wasn't normal, but now we know that he uh, he's, was he's also. Not, he's not normal. He, he's. Uh, Someone said that he had some kind of video or something he filmed with a bunch of girls that they won't even show because it was like so sick. There you go. He's a, a very, a very sick man and needs a lot of help. How, how um, do we find that video, by the way? You can no. just. <laughs> well, no, I, I, I'm sure it was. Uh, I'm sure it was edited <laughs> appropriately enough, but uh, um, yeah, you could probably find it on YouTube. Heart shaped glasses. Vince, I know you'll be searching for a little later tonight. Um, are you a Westworld fan, Vince? Are you a fan of H? Uh, I've Evan seen Rachel a few. Wood? I've seen a few. I, I like her. No, she's a great actor. I want to see the documentary. That terrible that happened. Horrible that happened. Yeah. yeah. Very very. Was very she engaged to him at one time or no? She was engaged to him, yeah, and she was very young at the time, and you know he was, you know, clearly, uh, yeah, he took advantage of her at the time. Um, okay, number twelve. <laughs> number twelve is uh, Disney Plus's uh, Ahsoka Tano for you Star Wars fans. Um, man, I am really looking forward to all this great Star Wars content. I can't keep... You can't keep track of it. I love it, man. I mean. We used to have to wait years and years between movies, and now we're getting like television content on Disney Plus, like, and and we got we're right in the book of Boba Fett. We're also gonna see the Obi Wan series. We're gonna see Mandalorian season three. Let's talk a little bit. What's that? What do you think about Boba Fett? Yeah, Boba Fett is actually my number. 
Well, you know what? What's a, what the heck? Let's let's start with let's start with um that as as our number twelve, the book of Boba Fett episode five, man. Um, holy smokes, dude! Holy smokes! Um, did anyone watch episode five today? I didn't get to see it yet, but I mean, you, you told me about it. But... Okay. Well, Mandalorian returns, um, and uh, obviously the first four episodes it was all focused on on boba fett which one of my favorite characters in in star wars um lore of course but um we always wanted to know what was going on uh after um the season um you know season two of mandalorian after that wrapped um so basically we saw uh, the mandalorian first uh trying to uh get a bounty um this alien butchery it was really wild looking uh, apparently uh he had to settle the debt uh a bounty on the leader of that butchery after he gets uh pretty much walks out with his head um, <laughs> manda goes on and um meets um the armor who we haven't seen since season one of the mandalorian played by emily swallow and um the, the armor is basically all things weapons in the star wars universe just like any other movie set heck she should have been the armorer on that rust movie but too soon uh anyways um too soon yes so you know she's a good mechanic too right yeah i know but no no she's not honestly the actress that plays the armor actually is building her own jeep from what i hear yeah we'll see there you go see she would already been better but she had to kind of explain a lot of the weaponry because this dark saber that we saw in the Mandalorian, apparently Mandalorian did not know how to use properly. So she had to kind of explain, you know, um, it was once owned by one of their ancestors in the Mandalorian um, ancestry. Yeah, it came from not, uh, Clone Wars. Well, not only well, yeah, but not only was were they a Mandalorian, they were also a Jedi. So they had two sets of expertise and that person knew exactly how to wield that dark saber I and uh, pre-vizsla from the clone wars so it's not just from pre-vizsla from clone wars yeah so in this particular episode we we see paz vizsla who's played by none other than john favreau himself and i noticed this he's a real big hefty <laughs> mandalorian i was like who the heck now after i found out it was um John Favreau made sense, so they decided to go battle for, you know, for rights to this dark saber, you know, um, and apparently, um, Mando wins the duel. However, Mando, the Mandalorian Din Djarin broke uh, the rule that he took off his mask. So apparently, there's a certain group of Mandalorians that. Um, that are not allowed to take off their helmet under any circumstances around other people. Imagine how difficult that would be. You know, I mean, even if you're, like, if you're having sex with like an alien, a hot alien, you're gonna have to still keep your helmet on, you know. Um, so Dinjarin admits, yeah, Dinjarin admits that that he had, uh, yes, he took the the fucking helmet off so Grogu could identify him and recognize him, and, you know, before he had to give uh, Grogu to Luke Skywalker, you know. Uh, <laughs> so. Conveniently enough, um, in another really great moment, um, Din Djarin takes the Beskar sword that he took from that one um, villain that Ahsoka Tano fought 
and had it molded into some Beskar armor for Grogu. So that means we're probably going to see Grogu uh, in the Book of Boba Fett, which I'm really excited to see. I mean, we thought we had to wait all the way uh, to the Mandalorian Season 3 to see Grogu, but apparently not to wait too long, guys, you know? Um, so Mando takes a commercial flight back to Tatooine, and apparently he needs a new ship. So he goes to Pelimato, played by Amy Sedaris. You know, she's got that big bushy hair. She works on all those ships. And she said something very disturbing. She said that she dated a Jawa. And that the Jawas <laughs> and the Jawas are very furry. So we don't know what these Jawas look like, but the fact that she was like having sex, I'm assuming she had sex with a Jawa. But she said, I mean, interspecies, you the interspecies um lovemaking is not is not banned in, in Star Wars Galaxy. No white of the seven Jawas. Would that be politically correct? That would probably be a little bit more politically correct because it's a race of actual um, of aliens that are all that size. So I, I think that would actually, yes, that would be okay. <laughs> so another really cool Easter egg. So, she, so he goes to um, find this new ship because, you know, his Razor Crest blew up, right? If you remember in The Mandalorian. Gets his new ship. The ship is the exact ship of Anakin Skywalker from uh, Phantom Menace. Um, but the yellow paint is not no longer there. It's completely silver to kind of match, you know, the Mandalorian silver, you know, yeah. armor, right? Kind of looks good, right? And then he commented on like the the droid uh, compartment in the back was not there. Um, and of course, he doesn't need a place for a droid. He needs a place for Grogu, you know. So that's clearly what that is going to be. Um, <laughs> So at the end, we find out that, um, well, you know, that Boba Fett and um, Fennec Shan, they need uh, muscle in their battle against the Pikes, right? So, of course, Mando is asked if it'll help them in the war against the Pikes. Mando says yes. He doesn't accept any money. He's, he's going to do it pro bono. It kicks him ass. So we're going to get an upcoming episodes. We're going to see... We're going to see... Din Djarin, Boba Fett, Fennec Shand, the Power Rangers, <laughs> which, you know, those <laughs> droid humanoids, uh, and Black Chrysanthemum, that huge bounty hunter Wookiee. He's super cool looking. They're going to join forces against the Pike Syndicate, and I think it's just going to be absolutely tremendous, 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 tremendous um, that we're going to see in... Um, the last two episodes of the Book of Boba Fett, man, I am so stoked, man. Vince, you are missing out if you haven't seen the Book of Boba Fett. I highly recommend it. Um, I'm gonna have to check it out too now. Yes, absolutely. I've seen one episode of The Mandalorian. That's as far as I've gone. So That's I got to catch up. That's I've fair. All of them. I've I've met like all the actual Boba Fetts. All their autographs on a comic book. Did you? Oh, yeah. That, that is super oh. rad. Yeah, I just oh. had to myself. I was fortunate to meet a, a few of them before they passed away. Jeremy Bullock sadly has passed away. He was the original Boba Fett, the OG. I think he was a local Annapolis from our region, but Annapolis, Maryland. He, he was local. Jeremy Bullock lived in Maryland? I did not know that. Annapolis, yeah. Really? Wow. That's and it's sad that he's no longer with us. Yeah. But number 11 is also the Star Wars um, related, but it's the Ahsoka Tano series. They just cast 
Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Yeah, as um, an unknown role, but she's going to be joining, of course, um, you know. Um, Is this the one with like Maya Erskine and Benny Softy? And oh, wait, uh, no, I think you're thinking of the Obi-Wan series. I yeah, think. maybe I'm thinking of Obi-Wan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This one is this one stars um well who uh, Rosario Dawson who played ah- Ahsoka Tano. Yeah, and um and Avana Sakno is going to be playing a new character and Natasha Lou Bordizzo is gonna be playing Sabine Wren. So that's the cast of the upcoming Osaka Tano series. Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Um lovely, lovely actress. Um She's actually dating uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi, Ewan McGregor. Really? So uh, that might have been her in in the Star Wars universe, you know? <laughs> might have. Yeah, it might have been. Um, all right. Uh, yeah, we're zooming through this. This is great. All right. <clears throat> number number 10 uh, over on Disney Plus, the Mighty Ducks Game Changers. Josh DeMel has joined uh, season two, but he's replacing. He's replacing Emilio Estevez. Oh, really? Now, yeah. So Emilio Estevez apparently had to leave the show because of Disney's strict COVID-19 vaccine requirements. Yeah, see, I don't agree with that at all. It's like, you I, know what I mean? I hear you. I hear you, Paul. We'll get to you in a second. Hold on. So okay. apparently he left the show over the requirements, but then Estevez uh, later issued a lengthy statement in which he clarified his exit was due to a contractual dispute and created differences um because yeah, everybody's but, just knocking on emilio estevez's door right right now. right right <laughs> oh he's actually a good director i mean so he directs a lot of stuff too but he he's fine write. yes i liked the walk but come on emilio but i think it. i think that lengthy statement is really to cover up the fact that he doesn't want to get vaccinated so i mean disney netflix a lot of these shows are are requiring it you know and, Paul, you have a you have an opinion on on the vaccine yeah, mandate for workout I cannot get vaccinated, so I mean, I've lost out on some good jobs because of. But I mean, I just don't think it's right in general. I mean, mm-hmm. looking on it now, like if I had to get vaccinated and I could, I don't know if I would, just because I mean, I don't think it's right to persecute against somebody if the vaccine does not stop the spread or kill the virus. So basically, the vaccines just really not not doing anything except to maybe help you not get a sick but that should come down to the individual's choice not the production or state or government or whatever it should be as i said it's just not i just don't think it's right well we tend not to get too into that i try to be a political, political but I'm discussion just, like looking on it I, I know like at least 30 percent of their union i mean i've i've had because, I mean, I've been honest. I can't get it because of uh, my medical condition. And a lot of people sure. reached out to me. I mean, I've had emails from at least 100 to 200 people saying, hey, uh, is, do you know, are you working much? Or Yeah. This? I mean, it's like, because a lot of people can't get work now because either religious reasons, maybe they have the same medical condition, or they just right. choose not to. But, I mean, if the, but I just think it's wrong to persecute against somebody for their medical choice yeah vince you have an interesting opinion on this are you you able to share it i don't necessarily i mean um you know they keep evolving the science so at one point it did sound like 
if you were vaccinated, you had a much smaller chance of spreading it. I, I don't even know if that's currently the case. Um, you know, for me, I'm like, yes, I'm just going to do it. There's no reason not to. And I'm right. not ice cube. So I'm not going to yeah, be passing. I, I can't do it if I want to or not. So or yeah, exactly. Paul's in a different right. position here. So it's like, I'm, I can do it. I did it. I'm glad I did it. I got, I did get uh Delta. Um, and it was nothing. It was like, I had the best nap of my life. That's it. Um, it <laughs> well, was kind of great. You're self lucky. It didn't uh, affect. You yeah, exactly. But bad. you know, I know so people who've died so and, and it's, it's, yeah. If you can stop it, you should, but you know, I'm not talking about Paul. You have a condition. Yeah. So, eh. yeah. We'll talk got, about it. Yes, Arthur. $500 bonus for getting the vaccine. Oh, there you, you got, go. There's, see, there's ooh. an incentive. So <laughs> I know Krispy Kreme was offering donuts to, for people to go get vaccinated. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? Do something healthy to become more unhealthy, right? The thing is, they, they still need to talk to your doctor first because, I mean, if they have the same condition I have and just yeah. get it, I mean, I they would be in rough shape. Well, they would be in we're not here to, to argue the. I will no, say, you know, on the entertainment show. All I'll say is, without naming any names, I may or may not have been involved in a project where it spread like wildfire. <laughs> Ooh, shit. And I know for a fact it spread among some unvaccinated people. Mm. So that was a while ago, but mm -hmm. I'm just going to lay that out there. Yeah, okay. I, I've heard of I've heard of breakout in the project. Yeah, so I can see I can see both sides. I mean, obviously, everybody wants to work, and people that can't get it want to work. But at the same time, you know I mean, but if they test, said, I mean, it doesn't matter. You know what I mean? If they test, I mean, that's that's what you need to do before you the test. Okay. Anybody has been. And where so. was Charlie Sheen? How could Charlie Sheen not replace him? <laughs> Come on, <laughs> right? Oh yeah, he's he's not doing anything right now. He's got he that vampire sure. blood, you know? He's probably immune. I mean, if he's immune to AIDS, well, he's got HIV. So I don't think you can get COVID and HIV. I think the virus is canceled. I don't know. That's a completely bullshit story. I have no idea. But uh, anyway. <laughs> All right. Number nine on the list. What's coming out on Netflix in the movie world? Well, for you Knives Out fans, Knives Out 2 will be streaming on Netflix this fall. Daniel Craig is back as private detective Benoit Blanc. Um, but they also want the film to make a festival run before its release, um, which makes sense, you know. Um, but a completely, completely different cast. Obviously, the, you know, is trying to solve yeah. you know. So you got to have a completely different cast in different situations. So it's Catherine Hahn, your favorite Ethan Hawke, mm. Edward Norton representing the DMV, Dave what? Bautista also representing the DMV, Kate Hudson, Janelle Monae, Leslie Odom Jr., Jessica Henwick, and Madeline Klein. Um, all part of Knives Out too. Pretty star-studded cast. Guys. Great Star Wars director. Who's directing it? Well, he can direct. He can stay with Knives Out. Just keep him away from Star Wars. <laughs> keep him as far away from Star Wars as possible. We're talking about you, Ryan Johnson. And you know what? He's a DMV director, believe it or not. He's also DMV. Yeah, he's got ties to DMV too. So it's crazy. It's crazy. He I mean, you got the Batista. Batista used to bounce at the hottest nightclub in D.C., 1223, back in the day. I played baseball with him when I was a kid. I mean, he played baseball in Manchester. You played baseball with Dave Batista? He wasn't as big. <laughs> well, I'm sure he wasn't as big. <laughs> I mean, I have a little league with him. That's yeah. pretty cool. That's, some good, that, it's that's cool. That bar that Tom Cruise owned? What? what? What year was this, when Batista bounced at 1223? Oh, when he was at 1223... 
I was definitely before his WWE days. Um, and I think that was like early 2000s. Yeah, oh. something like that. Yeah. So, uh, because I think he joined WWE like 2005. So it might have been like, um, but anyway, <laughs> pretty funny trivia there. Um, also on Netflix, um, you're going to see the um, Guillermo del Toro um, Pinocchio, but it's a stop um, animation style of Pinocchio. Oh. You're going to see. Uh, they had a little teaser that dropped. They didn't really show too much, but it's going to be Carlo Collodi's classic. Um, and uh, Ewan McGregor voices the cricket. Um, and uh, yeah, Jiminy the cricket, right? Um, of course, Kate Blanchett film. Finn Wolfhard, John Totoro, Ron Perlman. Another all-star cast. Is Ron, Ron Perlman and like the Giamo like go-to kind of like Johnny Depp was the a go-to Tim for Burton. Yeah. The Tim Burton. Yeah. yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, so that's probably the same thing. Yeah, yeah. Also, Netflix has a bidding war for Lee Daniels' next movie. Um. Which uh, reunites Lee Daniels and Andre Day, who worked together for the United States versus uh, Billy Holiday. Um, and apparently they're vying for rights for this upcoming project, Netflix. Um, one with $65 million. It's a hefty sum. Of course, it has endless pockets. Netflix is completely just dripping in the <laughs> <laughs> dripping in money, that's for sure. Um Crazy, crazy, crazy money. All right. Next on the list. Um, Ozark. Ozark, the Ooh. Bird family. So, Vince, I, I wanted to talk a little bit of how far you gotten, because obviously we don't want to spoil anything. But what, do, what, what have you loved about this? The, I mean, I, I think it's one of the greatest shows. Um, yeah, it is ever. great. It is um, great, yeah. How many episodes are you in? Um, I got up through five, so if you guys want okay. to talk about the ending, I can go off. But the last thing I well, who's, oh no, what, we'll save we'll save the finale for next. What week. are you up to, Victor? What character are you in the, in the episode in the in the series? Uh, well, so Darlene just you know had her heart attack or whatever. No, I'm saying, it, I was saying I was saying what character? Never mind. What what character? I you mean who's <laughs> dead? I don't know. You're, you're in the series. Oh, I wish. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I worked with two other guys. I'm friends with one of them. That's in those. Are guys. you really? That's yeah, the guy. Yeah, they're both down in uh, Georgia. And then, uh, um, um, uh, Mondo. Um, I know, I know their actor names, but um, no, I know who's the? Oh, McKinley, McKinley. Yeah, McKinley, McKinley Belcher, who's got a like reoccurring role, and then the one of the FBI agents is my friend Brandon who was on uh, Walking Dead. He was a Walking Dead CRM soldier. Wow. So yeah. watching Ozark and you see the FBI and he has a speaking role. Um, you know, that's yeah. a CRM soldier by day and by night he's an FBI agent. <laughs> <laughs> schedule. And he was an MYPD, uh, what do you call it? Um, was it MYPD Blue or whatever? Yeah. Oh, yeah. The other, Blue, uh, Blue Bloods. Blue Bloods. Blue Bloods. Okay. So the guy's working actor, man. Yeah. So, I'll tell you, man, this, this man, I cannot wait for part two of season four. I mean, they're they're teasing us, man. Netflix that you should give us everything, and we binge the entire thing. This they're breaking it in half. Uh, I've seen the first five episodes. There's been a lot of death already. And Vince, you you alluded to two 
um, important characters that had passed away, that had well, been killed. There was the limo driver. He's not too important, but <laughs> right. then, there, then there was the sh- <laughs> the sheriff. Yeah, the, the sheriff, sheriff. Yes, sheriff Nix. Uh, yeah, who, who shot was the- kind of <laughs> who shot the sheriff exactly, <laughs> man. We could talk Somebody, about that guy. We're these guys are so bad. And you know what? The weird thing is right before she had her heart attack, I said to my wife, I was like, God, somebody just needs to kill Darlene. I hate her so much. Yeah. But, and then once she started having her heart attack, I felt really bad. You felt bad for her. Cause well, she's such a good actress. That's... She, first of all, she she's... should get an Emmy nomination. She's terrific. She's but really she's good. So hateable that you, Oh, you, oh God, she's despicable. I kind of don't want her to die because I love hating her so much. You love to hate her. Plus, who's going to take care of Zeke, right? Exactly. Who's going to sleep with Wyatt? Poor Wyatt. Who's going to sleep with Darlene now? Who wants that crusty old (laughs) 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 Anyways, blame it on Javier. That's Alfonso Herrera, who's playing Omar Navarro's nephew. He is the, the, the new antagonist this season. He is a lot more ferocious than Omar. Um, sadly, he was the reason that Sheriff Nix is no longer with us. Um, and uh, wow, he's just been very, very controlling of the birds. Um, and it's just been a crazy first five episodes, let's say, even though I've finished it. But we're going to talk about the finale next week. Um, more people watch it because there's a lot of WTF moments. But um, of course, the shining star in Ozark is Julia Garner, who plays Ruth. I mean, I've said on the show so many times, she's absolutely brilliant. She's like this upper-class New York girl, right, mm-hmm. who plays this hillbilly, you know, Midwest chick, trailer park trash. And just, you, you're watching her, you're just, you can... Like you don't you don't even blink or think twice that she, that she's an actress because she's so that damn good. She is so good in that role, and um, she's one of the best part, one of the best things about Ozark. That's, she's she's the reason why I love. Her. Like uh, Justin Timberlake. <laughs> she's she's that mean with Justin Timberlake. Yeah, they have similar they, hair. That's for sure. Look alike. <laughs> no, there's a, a a drinking game. I actually came up with this joke. Um, Take a shot of vodka or whiskey every time Ruth drops the drops the f bomb. Yeah, you're you're gonna you're gonna be fucked up by the end of that episode. That's for sure. Um, but um, yeah, it's and just Bateman so is like there. There was some somebody posted something about how they had to freeze frame Jason Bateman because he like doesn't move. But I was like, no, I think that's just Jason Bateman in the scene. Oh, <laughs> right, right, right. He will like just like not do anything. He's like, I'm just going to be in the frame, which is great. It's just like such a minimalist thing. He doesn't do any more than he has to do, which is in tune with his, you know, with his character. Because he's just like it on purpose because he's he's a little cold blooded because to do what he does and just to. Oh, so we we have to burn the sheriff's body like it's no big deal. And so calm and collected with perfect hair, the shirts tucked in, you know, like. No big deal. We'll just take care of it, you know. Um, <laughs> it's just absolutely insane, insane. And then, uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's uh, the drug war between the the, the cartel, uh, the the Omar Navarro cartel, and of course, uh, Darlene is uh, growing that growing that heroin. 
farm to table heroin, as I call it. Which I thought I was <laughs> laughing hysterically when they were calling it farm to fucking table, as Ruth was saying. And she was trying to make that big sell. Farm to fucking table. Awesome. Love it. Next week on B2B, we will be talking about the Ozark finale. So we'll save it for next week. We'll All have right. Jason Bateman here next week, right? Yes. yes. Oh, absolutely. Be- <laughs> <laughs> I want to get somebody on Ozark next week. That's my goal, guys. All right. Yes. All right, number seven on the list. Wow, we're zipping through, guys. Um, okay. Um, so, um, you know, it's all about getting woke, and it's happening in the DC universe. On HBO Max, the Batgirl movie has cast Ivory Aquino, who is the going to be the first transgendered actress in a um, live um, DC feature. Now, um, now would that be a Batman woman, or would that be? Yeah, so she's going to play Alyssa Yo, the best friend of oh. Batgirl. Oh, okay. Yeah, and Batgirl is Barbara Gordon, as you know, Commissioner Gordon's daughter, played by Leslie Grace from In the Heights. So you're talking about the most woke bat version of Batman uh, in the Batman franchise you've seen. First of all, Batgirl Bat, bat is Latina, which is fine, and that, that's it's the way it's, we're, we're moving in Hollywood. But now we have our first transgendered best friend um, uh, in this Batgirl movie. Um, but one really cool aspect about this is that Michael Keaton is reprising his role as Batman. Um, yes, because that's going to tie in uh, his character in The Flash. So he's playing the original Batman from his universe, his Batman universe you know, back in the 1989 Batman film, ties that universe in, which is going to first appear in the Flash movie. Then we're going to see him again in the Batgirl movie. So I do like when things tie in. Well, what sense. happens first, Al? Because, I mean, he actually left the dope stick to go film that. Oh, man, he's he's just a multitasker. Man. No, but, no, I mean, which one does his Batman movie film first or is this one filming first well, he, he, well so he filmed um the flash and he wasn't a lead oh, he so. already filmed that okay I wasn't yeah sure that the film flash first. is already in the can um batgirl is in production now okay so I did and, and he's not the he's not lead in either of those projects the flash is yeah. obviously ezra miller and batgirl is leslie grace so yeah. sure he found time to squeeze that in his schedule right you think um but um, yeah, that's 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 it, man. Um, all right, it's two. <laughs> Number six on the list. All right, this is an interesting topic because there's a little bit of controversy, but Sydney Sweeney is one of. Oof, wow, is she a smoke show? Fitz, you fit your. She is smoking hot. <laughs> And, uh, and since we're all male panel, I mean, she's got one of the hottest racks in Hollywood. I mean, did you see the, that Amazon movie? I was talking about Euphoria, though, specifically. Yeah, there's Euphoria, but go see what's it called on. I think it's called The Visitors, whatever, okay. on Amazon Prime. I will put the, holy smokes, right? Yes. All right, make sure you remember, verify that title. Make sure you send that to me, Vince, because I will be watching it. I'm going to check that one out, too. So Sydney gets nude in Euphoria quite a bit. Season one, she got had a lot of nude scenes. Season two, she actually was able to argue with the showrunner Sam Levinson for cutting out nude scenes. So apparently she was supposed to be just sitting there topless. She would argue um, with the showrunner Sam 
um, that there are moments when Cassie was supposed to be shirtless and she would tell him, I don't feel that's necessary. And he was like, okay, we don't need it. And she was able to kind of like lessen the nudity, which a lot of us guys don't want to see. We want to see more. But uh, apparently um, she had said um, other projects where Sydney got naked. She's not afraid to get naked and stuff. Um, she said she's had experiences where she wants to go home and scrub herself completely raw because she felt disgusting. She didn't feel comfortable with her castmate or the crew and just didn't feel like her character should be doing it. And she didn't feel like she was able to speak up at the time. But she is very proud of her work in Euphoria. She said she thought it was a great performance, but, um, you know, basically she said there's a stigma against actresses who get naked on screen. When a guy has a sex scene or shows his body, he wins awards and gets praise. But the moment a girl does it, it's completely different. See, I don't I don't agree 100 percent with that. Because, I don't agree with that at all. I mean, look at look at Margot Robbie and Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah, Mar- Margot um, Robbie, when she did Wolf of Wall Street, that kind right. of made her, am I right? She, Right, she, that made her career, and she went on to, to be nominated for a lot of awards. I mean, even going back to like Sharon Stone when she showed, showed her Bush in Basic Instinct, um, you know, it. it <laughs> you remember that, Victor? <laughs> that was like the, the, you know, that was like the the uh, the scene as a kid. I was like, holy shit, you know, I was like, well, That's the me. scene they show you in health class when right. you're trying to <laughs> determine your, your your sexual orientation. They're like, watch exactly. this. Yes. Exactly. Um, I don't think it's a double standard. I don't know. I mean, I, I well, I, I will say in her defense, she had a point. Okay. She said all these people on White Lotus said like, oh, great job on your performance. And she's like, I've been in a lot of other stuff. But is it because I was naked that you don't think of it as a performance? You were just focused on the nudity. Uh, so, I mean, I get it both ways. Is I that mean, what you is that what you're referring to? Uh, the project that she was naked in was it White Lotus. So White Lotus, she was not naked. So she's saying in White Lotus, people oh. told her, I liked your oh, acting. Right. But she, she thinks people don't notice her acting in the other things because all they can focus on is. Yes. Exactly. Yes. So right. I, I get her point. I get her point. Yeah. She, she's super hot. <laughs> super duper hot. All right. <laughs> all right. Number five. We're going through this. Zip and zoo. Zippity doo da zippity do. Um, Chris Evans will be joining The Rock. Dwayne Johnson in Amazon Studios. Holiday movie, red one. So if you didn't have enough star power in The Rock, you're now adding Captain America to that already huge budget <laughs> of uh, a project, which is gonna, which is basically a globe-trotting four-quadrant action-adventure comedy, imagining a whole new universe to explore within the holiday genre. Okay. So just wrap all everything you see in a rock and so is the rock going to be like Santa Claus or something. And I mean, it's basically any rock movie, action adventure, a lot of explosions, a lot of fighting and just putting a big red bow around it. Basically. I mean, that's essentially what we're going to see. <laughs> Isn't that Red Notice? That sounds like the plot of Red Notice, which I didn't see. Well, Red Red Notice wasn't a holiday film, but yes, it's that, that. I mean, you had Gal Gadot, man. That's your co-star, Vince. Come yeah, on right. now. I should have seen How it. How cool now. is that? That's true. That's true. Yeah, unfortunately, I was too tall to be in that movie, according to Bill. Yeah, you know what? They didn't want to upstage Gal Gadot. <laughs> All of the background actors on Wonder Woman 1984. I believe it was 5'10 and, and shorter. No one above 5'10 oh. was allowed to work on the show. Wow. And they didn't want 
any any person towering. They wanted Gal to look like the Amazon. So if you notice, all the villains are also shorter guys, you know, under 5'10", you know, so. That's how I got the part. (laughs) That's how you got the part. (laughs) There you go. Um. You know, Billions is an interesting show. That's number four on my list. So Billions apparently pissed off Peloton. You know, really? the uh, yes. And the reason why is this one of the characters, Mike Wagner, David Costabile suffers a mild heart attack on a Peloton bike. <laughs> and apparently um, Chris <laughs> Knopf, Mr. Big from Sex in the City, he actually died on that same Peloton. But he said, I'm not going out like Mr. Big. So apparently uh, Peloton is all up in arms. They're very pissed <laughs> that they would show someone having a heart attack on their bike because you're, you're promoting fitness. Peloton's supposed to be a good thing. Exercise is supposed to be a great thing for you. You're not supposed to get a heart attack. Um, but basically, yeah, they're, they're very, very pissed off at this. And Peloton, um, well, no, they're, they're releasing a statement and they're saying, yeah, we never gave billions permission, blah, blah, right. blah. But they're happy to use the publicity. Let's be honest. They like the publicity. Yeah. If anything, it's a big commercial for them, right? It's great. Because you think of it this way. Yeah. If you're getting such a good workout that you could have a heart attack, then it means it's a great workout. So yep. people it's are going to want to buy Peloton. Yep. It says, you know, so they basically said, to be clear, we did not agree for our brand or IP to be used on billions or provide any equipment. And as the show itself points out, cardiovascular exercise helps people lead long happy lives absolutely um, um what's, yes i cannot wait um to watch the rest of billions um i'm not sure why but because uh, yeah. it's gonna be great it's, it's gonna, gonna be, be great, great right yeah it's gonna be amazing yeah. <laughs> i love it i love it dude all right wow whoopi goldberg returns this is number three on my list whoopi goldberg returns to star trek in star trek picard season two Paramount Plus just dropped a new trailer. Picard and his crew take a journey into the past. Patrick Stewart must enlist friends both old and new to confront the perils of the 21st century. Earth in a desperate race against time to save the galaxy's future. And uh, as you know... Nowadays. Right, exactly. But you know, Whoopi was a fixture on, on, uh, on The Next Generation, you know? Just like uh, it can be like a parody that uh, the world doesn't do anything about global warming. I was <laughs> referring to the Don't Look Up movie on the uh... yeah, I <laughs> fighting strong. Yeah, so this is why I'm a Star Wars fan and not a Star Trek fan. <laughs> <laughs> but check out Wait the trailer. Didn't they go back in time and like teach the whales how to talk to aliens? I think they did. Yeah. Well, yeah. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and you talked the whales into dating you, right, Paul? I just nah, saying. Nah. <laughs> All right, number two on my list. Um, well, I mean, it's Saturday Night Live. They do this new guy that does the not only the Biden, but he does a perfect Trump. Like Baldwin, Baldwin's Trump was funny, but it wasn't accurate. This this new actor that that does Trump and 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 Biden both he is brilliant dude the actor does just an incredible uh, job his name escapes me is it Jason but, Jones or something 
something like that. Yeah, I I mentioned his name last week and I had it, but but, um, yeah, he's just brilliant, man. He's just so good. I mean, just just everything about Trump's nuances and his words is it's just like you know Alec Baldwin did like the thing with his mouth and was funny, you know, but it wasn't it wasn't really an accurate um, portrayal of Trump, you know. Um, I mean, like. And like Aidy Bryant's like Ted Cruz. I mean, it's funny because, you know, it's a female doing a guy, but like, that's not an accurate Ted Cruz, you know, um, impersonation, you know, it's just, so I, I kind of like it when it's a little more true to the actual person, you know, um, Kate McKinnon, uh, did a great job as Laura Ingram, um, as the Fox news host. Not um, according to Laura Ingram though. Really? Not according to Laura, but according to me, I think she does a really good job. But they I'll also talked about Hillary, to be honest with you. They also talk about Wordle, and I I want the uh, the subject matter expert to talk about the Wordle Wordle craze. Um, but they basically said that Wordle is 2022's Tiger King, because um, you know everyone was talking about Tiger King when it first came out. So what is Wordle, and why is it so exciting? Why do you love posting about it, Vince? Oh, me? Does anybody yes. else play? I don't play. No, I don't I even know what the fuck it is, but I see it all over my Okay, page. it's a very simple. Well, it's not simple. It, it's simple, but it's not easy. It's simple, but it's not easy. You just have to guess a five-letter word, okay. and the colored squares tell you if you got a letter right. If it's green, it means it's the right letter in the right spot. If it's orange, it's the right letter in the wrong spot. So oh. you have six chances to guess it. The reason people share it is because part of the fun is trying to guess what other people were guessing on their path to the right answer. Oh, Sounds okay. geeky when you explain it, but once you've played it once, I promise you'll be hooked. But you love it, Al. You would love it. it. You're the grammar guy. Benefit, I am. I am a good grammar guy. But does it does it benefit the person? Society? To see? No. Okay. Thanks, <laughs> 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 society. Uh, it's again it's for it's partly bragging but it is also fun to watch what other people were guessing because sometimes you can that's like a continuation of the game is playing other people's puzzles i see yeah, yeah. Right. very nice saturday Night Live, we also saw will forte return um to do his popular mcgruber and the mcgruber character is uh basically an anti-vax fascist in this uh new version of mcgruber that we saw on saturday night live Pretty funny stuff, you know. He was kind of mocking the the use of masks and uh, and that sort of thing. And then he actually put on the whole QAnon shaman, you know, the furry helmet with the horns and the face paint and the did all that stuff, man. So uh, <laughs> it was pretty funny. And the number twenty uh, number one thing on my list is just two icons that we've lost in Hollywood, both in the music field. And in the comedy field, and that's uh, Louis Anderson and Meatloaf. So we'll start with Louis first. Louis Anderson, iconic Emmy-winning uh, comedian, actor. He was a game show host. Um, sadly, died after battling cancer. He was living uh, in Las Vegas at the time. He was 68 years old. Um, his uh, stand-up career spanned over four decades. He was recently in the Coming to America sequel, which was awesome. And he was, of course, in the original, you know, remember, he was talking about first you start at the fries, then you go to the grill. And that's when the big bucks start rolling in. You know, he's, you know, he's, he's just a memorable character. And, and, and man, Louis Anderson definitely will miss him. Um, you know, he was in the basket show with Zach Galifianakis and 
after he was a, he was working up until he got sick. You know, he was he's had a career for so long, and um, you know, we we're just talking about Bob Saget, another great name in comedy, and now we're talking about Louis Anderson. Guys, can you believe um, that he's just no longer with us, man? Um, anybody here um, a fan of Louis? or seen any of Louis' work, and um, I love yeah. Louis, man. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'll probably certainly. know. Yeah, I mean, I remember life with Louie. I remember. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, I, Baskets was awesome. Yeah, he was great. Funny man. Yeah. Wasn't he even nominated for his role in Baskets? He got a few. Like, or did he even win? Or did he? He even might have won one? an Emmy or okay. a Golden Globe and deserve. Sounds... It's such a good performance because ah, he's Emmy playing. Winning. He's playing the mother of Zach Galifianakis. Yes. But right. you just don't. You just accept. You it. don't think of him as the mom. No, right. you just kind of accept it. It's like exactly okay. That's so he did win the Emmy, Vince. Yes, Emmy-winning yeah. comedian, um, Life with Louis, Coming to America, Search Party, Louis Larson in Life, all that stuff. Um, and of course, um, another legend, and this time in the music industry, is Meatloaf. Um, so, so sadly, yes, we've lost Meatloaf, um, who passed away, and apparently they confirmed that his cause of death was due to COVID-19 complications. And... Um, the sad part about that, about reading about Meatloaf, is that he was an anti-vaxxer. He, um, now, I won't say he was anti-vaxxer specifically. He was anti-vax mandates. We don't really, they didn't really confirm whether he had the vaccine or not. Yeah, that's a big but, difference. Yes. The anti-vax mandate, yeah. correct. Yeah. Um, well, that's what so, I'm against, too. Like, I, I just don't think there should be any mandates for something but, that doesn't really But, you know, it's like, if I were to guess, you know, just speculation that he probably didn't get, but you know, he probably, he, they didn't. I don't know. Well, the thing that L he, he did, did he still perform? Cause if he performed on most, most places you perform at, you have to be vaccinated. So I assume if he performed, he had to be vaccinated. Maybe I'm wrong. But most, yeah. most venues, you have to be vaccinated if you're going to perform. So I assume he is, but I'm not positive. I don't know but if he's thing- Let's just say that his this politics on COVID nineteen were different. Would he still be with us? It's very likely he would be. Um, now his name is Michael Lee Adde. I don't know if anyone knew his actual name, but um, I, I guess he, good yeah, yeah, Meatloaf was yeah. That's the name that he went by. So um, Bob with he, bitch tits, and I say that with all respect. Bob with bitch tits. Right Bob there. with bitch tits. Yes. <laughs> Well, he said that the lockdowns, in his opinion, were political. He wanted to live his life. Hmm. He also said, if I die, I die, but I'm not going to be controlled. And he also said, I'm happy to give you a hug. I hug people in the middle of COVID. Um, yeah. <laughs> How about not, Milov? How about not giving me a hug? Not a good idea. In the middle of COVID. Right. Um, kind of like an said, NBA guy who went around shaking everybody's hand, spreading COVID. You know what I mean? It's like that. You don't want to do that kind of stuff. Yeah, she said, I'm sorry, I understood stopping life for a little while, and they cannot continue to stop life because of politics. So, again, had his opinion been different, we might, might Meatloaf may still be with us today. Um, but um, this is where uh, we're going to take a break and play a classic cut. And, of course, I have to play a Meatloaf song for the classic cut, right? Right? Now, I don't know, Chach suggested Do Anything for Love. I honestly really don't like that song. I think one of his better, better songs is some of his older work. Uh, Paradise by the Dashboard Light was one of his early hits. So um, I think we're going to play 
Uh, the classic cut for tonight will be Meatloaf Paradise by the Dashboard Lights. So we'll be back right after the classic cut. All right, rest in peace, Meatloaf. Wow, that was um, an iconic song, you know? Um, great song, by the way. And uh, we not only lost Meatloaf and Louis Anderson this week, um, there's some other celebrities that we have, we have to say um, our goodbyes to. Includes uh, Vachik Magasarian, known for his work on NCIS, Curb Your Enthusiasm, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., um, Sally had passed away due to COVID-19 uh, complications, guys. So, guys, it's still an issue out there. So, please, please. Yeah, like, just be do, careful. Keep be careful. Keep do your part. Yes. Get vaxxed. Social distance. Well, if you can, don't, go, don't get vaxxed. vaxxed. <laughs> right. right. So, um, and of course, meatloaf, we mentioned a little earlier. Don't like with us. <clears throat> now, when someone takes their own life... It's very, very sad. So um, Regina King, who's an amazing actress, her son, Ian Alexander Jr., he's a musician, DJ, um, died uh, by suicide at at the young age of of 26. Um, It was Regina King's only child. So, um, yeah. Did you hear about the other one, or were you going to bring him up too, or no? Are you talking about Michael Madsen's son, Hudson Madsen? No, no, there's another one that just happened, too. Uh, the voice of Charlie Brown just committed suicide. Oh, I, yeah, I had that one on, on my notes as well. I but I'll throw out Michael Madsen really quick. So Michael Madsen's son, Hudson Madsen, also died by suspected suicide. Um, so, again, um, he was an Army veteran who served in Afghanistan. It was Michael Madsen's oldest of three sons. And, yes, um, Carlsbad native Peter Robbins, the voice actor who brought Charlie Brown to life, had died at the age of 65 and also uh, sadly due to suicide. Um, apparently he was dealing with some mental illness. Um, and uh, he has bipolar disorder. So um, he actually talked about it a couple of years ago about his battle with bipolar disorder and said he would recommend anybody with bipolar to take it seriously because your life can turn around in the span of a month like it did to me. I came out of prison and I'm a better person for it. I'm much more humble and grateful and thankful that I lived through the experience. Um, yeah. Um, man, the voice of Charlie Brown from all those specials that we watch as kids and even as adults because it's very timeless. The, the Charlie Brown Christmas special, the Thanksgiving special, the Halloween Charlie yeah, Brown Halloween special. Um, and uh, yeah, certainly, certainly very sad uh, that that um, he actually took his own life as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, very very sad. Um, two stars from the reality TV world sadly had passed away, and both from the cause uh, unknown. Clint Arliss, who pleaded, who competed on the uh, Bachelorette season eleven, sadly had passed away at the age, young age of thirty four. 
and Jordan Cashmire from Maryland, who was on MTV 16 and Pregnant, died uh, at the age of 26. So, um, yeah, super duper sad. Um, but, you know, with death, we always celebrate life for people yeah. that are celebrating a birthday, right? Uh, happy birthday to comedian Ellen DeGeneres, who's 64. Uh, Brian Callen from the Goldbergs and the Hangover movies is 55 today. Uh, actor Gills Marini from Sex and the City is 46. Actress Sarah Rue from Mom, Less Than Perfect is 44. And actor Colin O'Donoghue from Once Upon a Time is 41. That's birthdays today. So, did you, yeah. Did you get um, Ga- Gaspar Ullier, the, the Moon Knight yes, actor. The yeah. Moon Knight actor. Sadly passed away. We we did talk about this last week, and oh, I'm sorry. What's so, yeah. but that's okay. But, but what's so sad about that? It's he was on the verge to probably superstar him in his career after exactly after being. What, was he the main villain, or was he? I believe he was the main villain in the Moon Knight series. Whoever Midnight, I think the character is Midnight Moon or something. I don't really know. Well, that Moon comment. Knight, Moon Knight is the character, is the series. It's Moon Knight, but his character was. Oh, his character was. Oh, I see. It was right. Midnight something. Yeah. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Um, and of course, that's Oscar Isaac, Poe Dameron, right? Um, yeah. Himself, who, uh, who, uh, yeah, that's super duper sad, man. It is sad, yeah. I mean, just. 37, yeah. 37 man jeez whole life ahead of him man that's absolutely insane so very shortly we're going to be bringing on our special guest um wow we're really looking forward to it he's a recurring actor on snowpiercer on tnt which you can actually catch the previous um seasons on hbo max which i tried to do today and uh it's an incredible show have you, any of you guys get a chance to see Snowpiercer? It's, 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 I, I saw it's two episodes yeah. and also uh, the movie. Good, I mean, I know. Yeah, yeah, the Bong Joon Ho movie. Yeah, that was the original movie and it got kind of rebooted as a series. Yeah. Yeah, what did you think? What you saw so far? I thought it was pretty good. I mean, it's a cool concept. I mean, it's about a post apocalyptic uh, group of people living on a train trying to, uh, you have the class warfare going on, kind of like, yeah. And stuff like that. Yeah, post-apocalyptic stuff is really good. But you know one of our favorites is The Walking Dead. You know that, right? <laughs> Victor, did you catch the um, the trailer of Season 11B? Which, uh, yeah, it launches on, I think it drops February 20th. Uh, but February 13th for AMC+. Plus. Um, we're going to learn about this Commonwealth, more about the Commonwealth group. Yeah, from uh, a series? No, I haven't seen it. Okay. We're also going to see what happens with the Reapers and Leah and uh, and uh, apparently um, Maggie and Elijah and Father Gabriel um, kind of infiltrate the, Re- the, the Reapers compounds. So I'm really looking forward to this. They really left you on a cliffhanger yep. when they kind of released all those. Uh, what would you call those, Paul? The, uh, the, the It's like a, a big yeah. board of... of Lightning arrows? I don't know what the hell. Yeah, yeah, asking. I don't know what the cool is. <laughs> but that was a heck of a cliffhanger, dude. It was. I mean, it, that's the thing. Um, Walking well, Dead gets a lot of criticism for their their cliffhangers. Like, I mean, how many people were pissed off because we didn't know who was on the receiving end of the bat from Negan, all the way well, back in what season five? Instead of one, but I mean. Well, yeah, the comic book death, but yeah, obviously we got that big shocker with Abraham and Glenn. Yeah. as being the recipients but uh 
You know, a lot of people got turned off by by them killing off Glenn and Abraham in such a fashion that a lot of people just stopped watching. Yeah. You know, honestly, I think if they just killed one, it would have been fine. I think killing two is just overkill, and it's just. I agree. I agree. This that is the first be- time I heard it was Abraham. I knew about Glenn because everybody was talking about Glenn. I didn't know Abraham got killed there. Yeah, Glenn got killed in the comics, and they added Abraham just as somebody extra to kill. I mean, <laughs> just 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 to twist it, just to twist it up a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Another problem. But I I think do we have our special guest? I think I see that our special guest has joined us. Okay. Ian Collins, actor extraordinaire. Ian, are you with us? I think I saw him join, but hopefully he'll be uh coming back to shortly. Um, but you know, um, while we're waiting for Ian, um, one more thing about The Walking Dead is the the this Commonwealth is basically a, such a really interesting community because you're basically whatever job you had prior to the apocalypse you're going to keep. So if you were a cop prior to the apocalypse, you're going to be a cop or maybe even a Commonwealth soldier. If you're in the case of Yumiko was a lawyer, she's an attorney, you know, unless you lie about whatever past life you had. Because, I was a multimillionaire. Oh, yeah. You could lie that say you're a millionaire and that you deserve to be a millionaire when you when you get in this community. Right. That could be a lot of controversy. But it's interesting because Yumiko's brother was a doctor. Right. And he's like, I don't want to be a doctor in my new life. He decided to be a baker and bake cakes. <laughs> when he could be saving people's lives. Yeah, that's crazy. He comes back and decides to bake cakes for a living. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> my God, you know, like all that's all that education and 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 practice that you've had for so many years, just just you're just operating on with flour and butter instead of you know <laughs> flesh and blood. You know, it's like, <laughs> I touched what the Walking Dead World Beyond when they cast, they mm-hmm. cast people in their real life. For their fictional life, we had real, real, real uh, welders on set. We had uh, soldiers and cops playing CRM soldiers. You know. Yes. <laughs> I mean, it's probably casting, you know, industry wide, but it's just funny. They're like, yeah, this is who you are in Walking Dead. Like, okay. And, and that makes the most sense because for that, it's that skill set you need. You need yeah. that skill set. You need to know how to gu- hold a gun properly. And you need to know when not to fire a gun. <laughs> Anyways, well, that's neither here nor there. We're welcoming our special guest here on Below the Belt Show. We're excited to have him on. Actor extraordinaire Ian Collins. He's recurring on this amazing show called Snowpiercer on TNT. And you can also see on HBO Max. Ian, good to, good to have you on Below the Belt Show. Thank you. Thank you. How are you guys doing? Great, great. Thanks for joining us uh, tonight. And, um, you know, shout out to my friend and publicist extraordinaire, Ashley Buck. Oh, she's the best. She is the best. And we thank her for bringing, um, for her to bring uh, you to us. And of course, um, you're also a Vancouver-based actor, yes? Yeah, yeah. I'm originally from Toronto, but uh, I've been in Vancouver now for eight years. Fantastic, yeah. Yeah. Vancouver is really uh, the one of the, the it's basically the Hollywood of Canada. Yeah, Hollywood North. It's Hollywood where North. Everything it, is. It, was, it was nicknamed Hollywood North, and I think it's just amazing because not only was Hollywood North, but it's like Hollywood like sci-fi comic book genre North. Like, oh yeah, all the CW, DC, Arrowverse shows there. All the great shows like Snowpiercer, Altered Anything Carbon. Superhero. 
yeah, sci-fi, uh, The Expanse, like all these like incredible shows shoot in Vancouver. I mean, I think it's amazing. X-Files I think it's so there. cool. What else? X-Files. X-Files. X-Files, okay. yeah. Wow, you're going way back. <laughs> way back. Okay, these scenes, they were saying we were at Bethesda, Maryland. I'm like, that's not Bethesda, Maryland. That's someplace else, and that turned out to be Vancouver. That ends up being Vancouver, yes, yes. So, Jason, first Jason. Of, yeah, absolutely. First Jason. of all, um, let's talk about Snowpiercer, because this, wow, congratulations on a um, third season. Um, I believe you're going to be appearing in episode four. Uh, yeah, so we'll see Tristan episode four, five, all the way to the end. Yeah. Fantastic. How's that journey been for you so far, man? Three oh. seasons in, you're the assistant to Ruth, played by Allison Wright, an incredible actress. She was just an incredible actress. I mean, I call yes. her mommy actor because she is just, from day one of shooting, I was lucky enough to be on like the first episode, and that was the first time everybody really got to meet everybody, and she was yes. just amazing and from day one and uh i love her i love her so much uh but it's been a journey um it's four years i just found the sides recently uh last month for tristan and uh surprisingly they were eight pages long which i i don't even think tristan's had that much dialogue season one uh but uh yeah it's been a journey it really so has a growth, been a journey of four years growth for you for for tristan in season three as far as yeah, the expansion of the character. Tristan. Yeah, we're going to see a lot more of Tristan than we did, obviously, in season um, two because of the pandemic that hit. Um, it was really tough to get everybody on set. Uh, but we'll see a lot more from season three, which is really good. Exciting as well. That so much awesome. good things. I wish I could spill everything. I know. Every I wish I've done. I'm like, I just want to tell, I want to say the world what's happening because I've read these scripts, all the scripts this season, wow. like three times over. And uh, it's it's a good season. It's gonna be it's pretty good. good season. Wow, that's Sorry? amazing. That's amazing to hear. Yeah. That is amazing to hear. Um, talk, look, we'll talk. You, you mentioned Alice, Allison, um, who plays Ruth. Is um, you called her a mother figure? Is, is that what you said? I called her mommy actor. She, mommy actor. Okay, so, so was she someone that because you played her sister, you were close to with her? Did she give you like advice or did she she? coach you in any way or give you any tips or pointers absolutely absolutely um it's great because the whole cast is such a great amazing theater background uh very very strong cast but allison i work with the most and uh yeah she's given me multiple and multiples of advice you know we've had long talks in her trailer and she she's a gem she's amazing she deserves all the success you know i i think she was the one that I, I, I didn't know too much about signing on to Snowpiercer, but uh, right. she's the one I'm most interested in now. <laughs> like, I think yes. I want to see her in everything because she's that good. She's just beautiful inside and out, and she's such a talent, such yes. a talent. I'm yes. very grateful to work alongside of her. And just an amazing cast in general. I mean, Jennifer oh, yeah. Connelly and David Diggs. Um, tell us about your experience uh, working with Jennifer, David. I don't know if you had any scenes with Stephen Ogg, but he's one of my favorite actors from Walking Dead, the big Walking Dead yeah. fan over here. I mean, um, I'm lucky enough that I've gotten to geek out in front of him <laughs> because I'm <laughs> such a huge Walking Dead fan as well. Oh, good. You're a Walking uh, Dead fan as well. Nice. Yeah, I love Walking Dead uh, and such a big fan of his. Uh, obviously, he's a Canadian-born actor as well, so yeah. somebody to idolize. Um, but yeah, uh, I actually had a lot of scenes with Jennifer 
in season one that didn't make that season. Um, so I, I worked with Jennifer mostly more than Allison actually in season one, um, wow. but they just didn't, they, it got cut. Um, and Jennifer is, hmm. wow, she's, she has this energy about her. It, it really is something special. Um, so peaceful. I, she's amazing. She's such a character worker. She really is. She's such a star and she's such oh, a vet- veteran star. in the biz. Yeah. Um, just decades of experience and um i mean who, who doesn't remember labyrinth right you know uh, <laughs> as, the amount of iconic. labyrinth shirts that were on set <laughs> right oh were there, were there labyrinth shirts? Uh, yeah totally i'd be totally geeking out on set man i mean it's just first of all it's a beautiful set how much of the set is practical effects versus um cg effects because uh it's absolutely beautiful it's a yeah, I, I don't know if a lot of people know this. I've mentioned it in a few other interviews, but this yeah. studio is massive. It really is just, you can get lost in it. And we need ADs showing us exactly where we're going, still going into four seasons where yeah. we still get lost. So it's uh, wow. massive. These are all real built trains. So this, the tightness, we don't have to pretend it is like all practical there's a seesaw mechanic that like is literally moving the train while we're doing takes. So it's, uh, it's, it's a pleasure to work on because it's my first gig where I've really done this amount of studio work. So it's, uh, it was a treat in season one and now it's family going into, I mean, we're going into season four. So yes, uh, congrats. Green, green yeah. lit for season four. It's crazy. So, like Ian, that. for these scenes, I mean, when you're in one train car, when they have to get coverage, do they have the whole crew on one half of the car and shoot half the actors and the other guys just have to wait and then they come in and switch? No, that's how big the studio is. So, I mean, we're on the same car. We're not shooting two different scenes, but we're doing two. We're doing A and B blockings on the last season. So the studio is so big that they're shooting stuff down train in studio six and we're shooting up train in studio three and four so it's it's that big (laughs) it's just massive um but the trains are quite big like the carts themselves are quite big i mean the only complicated part that i've come across is i really have to read those notes about which way's up and which way is back because tristan's always running around somewhere so it's like is it that way or is it down (laughs) is that down train or is it that i get it's constant constant they need arrows they need to be pointing (laughs) which way's up train which way's down train uh but yeah they're that big the studio is just beautiful and massive so nice yeah seems like it and of course a lot of a lot of you guys do any exterior shots last season we did jennifer did some and in season two jennifer did some as well okay so um just not the whole cast and this for the opener episode, we saw David and um, a few of the other cast members that were outside as well. But uh, very limited, very, very limited. limited. I noticed that yeah. when watching some of the episodes, try to catch up to your. Uh, but uh, I checked out your sizzle reel. Very oh. nice. Your yeah, sizzle reel because you know, I wanted to catch to me everything like, oh. Tristan uh, as I, as much as I could in in, in that time frame. Um, how would you describe your similarities or differences with the Tristan character? Yeah, uh, Tristan's somebody who's fiercely intelligent, and with that, he creates this anxiety and fear, or so he lets people believe. I've always played him as he's an actor, 
So I've always played him as he's trying to pretend to be meek or what people would expect meekness to look like. So I think those are the similarities because I think I you, you in certain situations you're playing up a certain part of yourself. But Tristan definitely, I mean, I stand 5'11", 200 pounds. <laughs> there's, no, there's not a lot of meekness to Tristan. Um, True. But he gives that impression to everybody. Um, so I think that's the similarity between me and Tristan is I, I present differently to different people, different rooms. So I think he's, he's an actor just as I am. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Very, very, very nice, man. Excellent work, by the way. Um, but I wanted to open up to the big Paul or, or Vic, if you uh, had any, uh, um, any questions, Victor, I know you, you threw out a question in the chat. I want you to throw that out. The question that you had in the chat. Um, yeah, just starting off. I only have a year under my belt, but I'm, everyone, we always hear people all have a different path. And I know a lot of people are like classically trained. Other people put in a lot of work in universities and theater. Mine has been probably the easiest route you can go. But I was curious about like uh, your route into the industry. And two part question. The second part would be wh- what was your biggest break that you can like pinpoint where either a casting or maybe when you you know either on set or when you actually just got cast when you got notified that you got a role or the role like you yeah. know, one time where you're like I, i've kind of arrived or you felt the best about it yeah i, I, I have lot. two that came to mind right away but uh i started out uh i did a lot of theater in high school um i loved theater i really did uh but i wanted i was a very practical student and uh, I decided to go into, I wanted to be a chef. Uh, so I went to culinary school, uh, got my red seal, started working at a five-star resort. Uh, and it just never felt right. It, it felt like I was doing something, but it didn't feel right. And uh, then on a whim, I just uh, moved to Vancouver and uh, started in commercials. And commercial, I did a good commercial run. I mean, I still remember the first one. And it's still airing because I just seen it on YouTube. <laughs> uh, it's still out there somewhere. Uh, Residual checks, yeah. right? Heck yeah. I, I think it was non-union at that oh, point. Oh, it's non-union. So there is no residual checks. There's all the actors in the room. We're all actors here, so we know the difference between union and non-union. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, then I started doing principal work, and I booked a really, really small part on Supernatural, like every Vancouver actor does. And uh, I remember that being like very opening to me. Like I was also taking a film course at the same time. So I was studying and working and I felt really accomplished. Uh, but then a couple years after that, about four years after that, I booked Hit the Road with Jason Alexander. And that, yes. I mean, I don't want to get too graphic. Can I get a little graphic? You can uh, say whatever the F you, you know, want because we're called Below the Belt Show. Number <laughs> <laughs> <Ever> one. <laughs> uh, no, I was sitting on the toilet, actually, when my agent called. And I was like, uh, I was like, oh, hey, Deb. She's like, are you busy? I was like, oh, no, not at all. <laughs> you, just booked, you just booked three episodes on Hit the Road. I was like, what? Ah! Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I, hope, I hope you wipe first before you go up to the excitement. <laughs> I, I definitely wiped. I remember wiping. I did wipe. Okay, good. <laughs> I was definitely jumping up and down. Uh, so that was definitely, that was the role that I was yeah. That's when I started going out for more guest stars after that. So that was yes. that was probably the one where 
I don't think I would have gotten Tristan. I don't think I would have had enough work to work on Arrow. I, so I, it was definitely, it was definitely hit the road, Jason Alexander. And that show was just amazing. Like I love that scene that on your improv. sizzle reel. Yeah. On your uh, reel, your reel, you had a clip of hit the road. Your scene with the TV legend that is Jason Alexander. How cool was that? How cool was it working with the Seinfeld icon? <laughs> such a guy, such a, he was, it was actually amazing. It, it was the freedom that we had on that show. Mm-hmm. Like the takes that we would do would change with the jokes. Like I remember one day we had to do this joke and it switched from Britney Spears to every, it went through everybody, everybody who's ever been associated with drugs as a famous right. person just to, till we got it. <laughs> and uh, oh, it was uh, such a gem. He, I was so nervous day one, but he was, he's amazing. I would work with him again in a heartbeat. It would, it would just, I'm such a Seinfeld fan. So he was, he's been my kid idol. So it was that was the one that was the real one that I was like ah and then of course Tristan on Snowpiercer very nice but yeah. also Arrow uh, I love the, the the clips that you had on your reel working with um, Felicity herself Emily yeah. Beth Ricards uh, how did you like your experience on the the Arrowverse the first Arrowverse such show? a pro set yeah it was it was such a fast paced pro set like there was no downtime. And I mean, I do a lot of homework, so I'm I'm used to a little bit of downtime. But uh, that was it was she was coming straight from Comic Con when we filmed the first scene, and I was like, there was fans outside because we did an exterior, so we were doing it in the coffee shop, and I was like, yeah, this is the first time where I've seen these fans. Like there was like fans, and they were like already DMing me on Instagram. I don't know how they got my Instagram account. <laughs> they were like, who are you playing? Who's this? Oh, gosh. Like, oh. They're like, can you take a picture facial. with her? And it's like, right. wow, this is, oh, this we is all insane. <laughs> but uh, yeah, such a pro. Everybody was such a pro. I, I, I don't know how she did it. Like, she literally just got off the flight. So um, that would, that's what I would say about Arrow. And I mean... I've worked with that director before. He's amazing. And it was just, it was so good. And she's amazing. Yeah. That's the best thing I could say about it is it was fast. I was like, oh, this is going to be a full day. I was out half day. I was like, like, yeah, this is good. You're you're a part of the DC Arrowverse. I just think that's so rad, man. And and another another big fandom uh, is The Magicians, because that that had a nice five-season run. And you got to play... Savart, I believe. Yeah, yeah, Savart. Um, Savart, yeah. Tell us about your. um, Yeah. There was talk that he was going to be more, um, and we shot a lot for that guest star. And uh, I, again, that was that was a really pro set. I did stunts for that set originally, and uh, I had a lot of fun with that character. I love magic, so anything magic, anything fantasy, I'm like yes. Um, and the wardrobe was super fun for that one. Uh, I, the one thing that comes to mind is like this, uh, the stunt, uh, coordinator was like, you're the only one that's pulling out the baby knife. So I don't know if you notice all the guys pulled out like the long knives and I'm like, right. I got him. Yes. You know? uh, it, it was another good one. It was a really, I, I was sad that that was going to be the final season. Because uh, I was trying to get on that show for a while, yeah. Yeah, but look, look where you are now in Snowpiercer. Oh, so that's yeah, that's pretty rad. It. And this, I know you had some questions about the Christmas movies, right? 
I I did. Well, first of all, my takeaway so far is move to Vancouver is what you're yes. saying. That's <laughs> how to become back. a star like you. <laughs> move to Vancouver. I mean, we do have an amazing community as well. I think that yeah. that helps. I think uh, Vancouver, when I started in Toronto, it was a different kind of community. But Vancouver has just a brilliant community, you know. We have some of the best, and then we have a lot of starters, and we have a lot of in-between. And here, you can talk to the A-lister Canadian talents, and uh, you can be in the room with them. So it's it, the community is, I think, why everybody excels in Vancouver. I really do. Does an A-lister Canadian differ from an A-lister American, in your opinion? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. do, do, we, do we need to point out the differences uh, uh, there's a there's a touch more humbleness i think yes. the canadian oh, yes. uh, a-lister i don't think they because they're in the rooms with the middle guys and they're in the rooms with the starters i don't think there's the, the chance to build that ego and most canadian a-listers are older so i think uh that's already kicked out of them that kind of ego part uh so i think yeah there is a difference there's a slight difference slight difference yeah um but yes to the hallmark i had to ask because yeah i'm looking at your imdb i was like he's done four hallmark movies in like one season so (laughs) well i mean that's a that's awesome but b what's the deal are you is that your thing on the side christmas movies i love them i i I honestly love them i it's i think it's the theater in me um the ability to do 12 pages to 15 pages a day. We make those movies in two weeks. Yeah. So it's to be able to do that much dialogue is I love it because it's like theater rooted. Sure. So I think, and that's probably why they keep booking me because I don't need 50 takes to be earnest. <laughs> I think it could just be, I could put a smile on and say lines. Um, uh, and I honestly love that world. It's its own universe. It really is. And, uh, I get recognized more during Christmas than any anything else. Oh, like I'll wow. be at, I was at a bar during Christmas with my parents and a lovely lady came up to me and she said, did we just see you in 12 dates for Christmas? And I was like, yeah, that's me. Yeah. And she's like, I loved Alistair. And I was like, thank you. That's so nice of you. Uh, so that's the only time it's ever happened. And of course, my parents were there, which was a good thing as well. So I was like, yes. Doing something, I'm an actor. Is it more the Christmas movies or more Snowpiercer that you get recognized for? Oh, Christmas movies. Christmas movies, really? Okay. Yeah. Wow. I think the fans on those MOWs are, they're watching. They're watching those movies. And these are Vancouver shot. Yeah, I would say there's about, I don't know what the slate is for this year, but last year I think it was 140 Mm -hmm. uh, Hallmark movies. Okay. So, I mean, when you do the ma- it, it's great for actors who are in my range or starting out because you can get that supporting lead and work for ten days. Absolutely. So it's uh, yeah, I love the universe. I love the hallmark. I love the uh, GAC, GAC. Yeah. Wow, another yeah. another big genre right there that you've tackled. Now, um, how about working in the U.S.? Is that on your bucket list yet? Have you done much? Yeah, I've I've done some short films. Um, I did. It still hasn't come out, but I did a a cool one called Bloodlust a couple years ago in Atlanta. Oh, cool. Um, Like most actors, I I fly down and try to do a pilot season. 
Um, nice. Of course. I always find it's a it's a different mode. It's a different vibe. It could all be in my head, but and I think it yeah. comes back to that community. When you go into a room in LA, I'm like, I yeah. don't know any of these guys. Um, <laughs> and they don't know me. And I walk in smiling and tripping most of the times. <laughs> yeah. <again>. <laughs> um, so I think, yeah I, yeah, I mean, I would love to be doing more uh, American productions. I love being in Atlanta. I love LA, but uh, I still got to build my communities there. So Yeah, well, Hollywood yeah. North is already great company. I mean, that's just, like Vince, you were mentioning, hey, this is where we need to relocate because <laughs> all our favorite genre shows are, are shot in the Vancouver area, so. We'll yeah. welcome you. We'll, yeah, we'll, it's, we'll open you with open arms. It's right. beautiful, man. And we, we've interviewed quite a few people through um, M Public Relations and, Ash, and Ashley's uh, a publicity firm. And uh, yeah, we, 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 love, we love talking to the Vancouver-based actors. Um, it's really, awesome. really cool. Yeah. Awesome. Well, um, tell us about what's next. What other projects do you have in the works um, in other than Snowpiercer that we can promote? Yeah, I mean, I fly out uh next week i I can't say too much about the project but i'm shooting something in toronto okay Uh, it's a new show called belated um super excited about this one um yeah it's going to be a fun show it's going to be a really really good show um and really excited to be a part of it it's one of those shows you can't talk about i can't talk about it yet i I wish i could i mean (laughs) deadline just announced that there's a show called belated so i can only say (laughs) i have to follow the deadline rules uh, but uh yeah it's gonna be a really good show um i think fans are gonna really like it um and then obviously snowpiercer every uh every monday on tnt um I know, a new right? episode yeah very very exciting i mean can you tell us about um your first episode in season three like what can we expect yeah i what can i say what can i say i i'm so bad because i can just i'll spill everything <laughs> um <laughs> but i think we can see i can say there's going to be a change from what ha- what's happening in episode one that we saw on monday and we're gonna see some changes in some characters and some bad things are gonna happen that's all i can say <laughs> <All right. laughs> wow okay bad things have happened i mean i'm even watching the first <laughs> three episodes as a new Snowpiercer fan and people are losing limbs and yeah, uh, right. it, it's, 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 it's wild. It's some crazy stuff. And all I got to say though, this season finale is just going to be mind blowing. It's, oh, I've it's never okay. read a script more, never read a script more. I was just like, wow. <gasps> so oh, wow. The fans are going to go crazy. I think we, we, uh, what are you a fan of? Uh, and what, what project haven't you worked on that you're like dying to work on? Yeah, I'm a big comic book nerd. I've always that's yes. the, that's how I started reading. That's uh, I still read comics. Um, I love what Marvel's doing, and I love what DC's doing with their animated series. Um, what show? I you know you know what show I'm really getting into is uh, it's for voice acting, but the Young Justice series is I literally just watched that. Um, comic book wise, I think uh, Doom Patrol. I Oh, tried to it's get so underrated. Tried. So underrated. Very underrated. Very yes, underrated. It's so good. Some of the work, I it's actually really good. It's really tight. Um, and there are three seasons now too. So I think um, that'd be a fun show to be on. That'd be a real fun. Cyborg awesome. would be a fun character to play. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, you know, Ray Fisher is not exactly uh, happy to put on the cyborg costume anymore, so there you go. Yeah, I'll put it on. <laughs> I'm sure you read about that. <laughs> They're going to need a new no, cyborg. No, he's doing the right thing, but I would definitely, I would love to play cyborg. Cyborg. If, if, if asked, you would. You would if asked. Right. If the contract's right. <laughs> if the contract's right. <laughs> you even work with that asshole, Joss Whedon. <laughs> There's no Josh, you know. We'll talk. Is there a particular director or actor that you you would love to work with? Yeah, I mean, it's so tough because I've hit some of the best, you know. Um, you already have, like, yes, absolutely. Yeah, like you again, I hate bringing up Jason Alexander a lot, but like, yeah, <laughs> that was such a high moment for me. And I mean, David's amazing, obviously. And uh, I've really worked with some of the best. So I guess it's more yeah. of a bucket list then, right? Yeah. What, what is on your acting yeah. bucket list then? Bucket list. I mean, Meryl's always going to be in there. I just watched that uh, Don't Look Up. And yes. to find like half of that was improv, I was like, oh, she's she's amazing. She's breathtaking. And I'm such a 90s fan uh, of cinema. Um I would love to work with like Sandra Bullock who films up here a lot as well. So that could possibly happen. Um, and growing up, I was a big Buffy fan. So Sarah Michelle Geller, when she starts doing some more work, I would love to work with her. So it's, yes. it's a lot on my let's, list. Let's but, see yeah. a reboot, whether Joss is involved or not, but let's see, a, yeah. let's see a sequel, a sequel rather of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Why not? Right. Why not? Yeah. I would want her involved. I would want her in it somehow. Oh, yeah. she has to be. Can't do it. I know. I even read I those she, comments. <laughs> so, I mean, <laughs> right? You yeah. got Josh, Josh did a great, great job with with expanding the story in the comic books yeah. after the yeah. series wrapped. So that was that May was. May not very be a great person, but can create a right. universe. You know. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> we could agree. Wow. Ian, wow, this is amazing, man. Thanks so much for talking with us very candidly, of course. And, no, and thanks for uh, having me. Uh, here on Below the Belt Show. And of course, check out Snowpiercer every Monday on TNT. And of course, you can watch previous seasons on HBO Max, which I love. Uh, HBO Max is a great way to catch up on Snowpiercer as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. Internationally on Netflix as well. So if you're not in America, check it out on oh, Netflix. Oh, that's right. So in Canada, there, it's it, it might not be on HBO Max. It might be on Netflix, right? Ah, it's on Netflix. Good to yeah. know. Uh -huh. They they. It's very different in depending on the region, right? Absolutely. So us, us, uh, us, America, us, us uh, Yanks over here, we uh, we watch <laughs> it on HBO, HBO Max, and people north of the border will watch on a, on Netflix. So it's good to know. There's it's a little, uh, little differences it's, you got to know. It's complicated sometimes. I'm like, what? it does get yeah, a little complicated. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, before we let you go, Ian, if you could uh, just do a little promo, let us know who you are. Sure. Your character on Snowpiercer, Tristan. Um, whatever you want, catchphrase from a catchphrase maybe from Snowpiercer, a plug, whatever you want at the end. And you're sure. on below the belt show, of course. Awesome. Attention, attention. This is Ian Collins from Snowpiercer, and we are on the only show that matters below the belt. One world, one train. Awesome. That was, <laughs> was dope. That, nice. that was <laughs> dope. Thank you. <laughs> and of course, we have to do our little snapshot. So on the count of three, everyone smile. 
One, two. Oh, glasses off. Glasses <laughs> off. Too bad. Mitch, if you're going to take your glasses off, I'll take my glasses you off. You got to. There you go. One, two, and three. Smile. Awesome. Thanks. Have a great night. And thanks so much. We'll be watching more Snowpiercer. Thank you so much, you Can't guys. wait to see the rest of season three and um, future seasons, season four as well. So thank you. going to be great. great. Keep watching you guys. Thank you. Right. Have do. a good night. You too. Yeah. Take care. That was awesome. Ian Collins cool. here on Below the Belt Show. Wow. Yeah. All right. So um, um, we're going to say goodbye to Vince and Victor, the two Vs, uh, as uh, Paul and I will be discussing everything in the world of wrestling for a little bit, for a few minutes. And uh, Vince and Victor, uh, great, great having you here on Below the Belt Show. You guys are awesome. Thank you so much. And uh, we'll I'll see you on set. As they say in Hollywood, we'll see you on set, right? And I just see you very soon, right? <laughs> Yay. Don't call us. We'll call you. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's uh, Vince Eisenson, Vinnie Mac, and Victor Dobro. We'll see you guys. Thank you so much, guys. That was awesome. All right. Well, Big Paul, um, we're going to take a little bit of a break. We're going to play. An interview that I conducted with our friends at Click on this show, as you know, Sundance Film Festival uh, has been uh, an integral part of both Below the Belt Show and Click on this show. Of course, I've been lucky enough to attend Sundance on multiple occasions. Um, this special interview I conducted with Click on this show's Desiree Velez, who's been on BTB before. Des and I actually interview. Not only the cast, but also the creators, the crew. So we interviewed the entire cast and crew. We're talking a lot of people on one Zoom, guys, right? Of this great episodic indie called Cheeky. So this was an officially selected Sundance indie episodic um, show. They just showed the pilot. And yeah, it's about... It's about e What's that? No, no, they did episodics on Sundance. I thought it was just movies, so... Something yeah, yeah, kind of interesting that they're expanding. Um, and this episodic is about um, a Colombian couple trying to live the American dream and the hardships of dealing with, you know, um, life, uh, adjusting life and, and living the American dream. And uh, we get to talk to um, the entire cast and uh, the creators of, of Cheeky. So, uh We'll be back right after the special interview. This is awesome. This is uh, Desi Velez and Al Soto from Click on This Show. And we are welcoming the entire team of Kiki, which uh, was supposed to, uh, they are all going to be at Sundance. This was their first time. And unfortunately, it's, you know, all virtual. But welcome. Welcome all. Thank you. Thank you so Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much. Awesome. Can we start so, by maybe introducing uh, each member of the team and your role or what you did in the, the project? Let's start with Carlos. So, uh, yes, I'm Carlos Cardona, and I'm the director, writer, and creator of Cheeky, which is premiering at the 2022 Sundance Film Festival as part of the Indie episode. And Anna? And I was the production designer on Cheeky. Daniel? 
Hi, I'm Daniel Pfeffer, and I was the producer on Cheeky. Greg? Hi, I'm Greg Prosser, and I played uh, one of the supporting characters on Cheeky. Catherine? Hi, I'm Catherine French, and I played Aunt Judy on Cheeky. Sebastian? You have to unmute yourself. <laughs> <laughs> oh, There's there little... you go. There you they go. They haven't, they haven't finished up inventing this thing, as they say in Colombia. <laughs> <laughs> All right. My, my name is Sebastian Beltran, and I played Carlos Sr. in Chiqui. Sofia. Hi, my name is Sofia Debon. I am the producer, co-writer, and editor of Chiqui, and this is Miriam Gabriel. I'm an associate producer with Chiqui. Bridget. Hi, I'm Bridget Silva and I'm Cheeky. <laughs> and again, awesome. I'm Desi and there's Al. Al, why don't you take the first question? All right, let's just talk about how the team was assembled. Um, Carlos, since you're the director and the writer, the creator, uh, we're responsible for casting the entire project and also uh, assembling your great production team as well. Yeah. So basically, um, I, you know, I've known uh, Danny Feff, Daniel Pfeffer and Sophia Devon and Van Rosenberg uh, for, you know, a very long time, spanning to, you know, right after I got out of film school to when I just started getting into the industry. And, uh, and as well, I'm sorry, as well as Miriam and Gabriel, you know, we've, Mimi, Mimi, Miriam, Gabriel, we've, we've all known each other um, and done and worked on various projects in different capacities. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I'm, I met Bridget, uh, about like five years ago, we were working in the service industry and, um, we, you know, we, we connected because we're both, uh, you know, I'm, my parents are Colombian and then Bridget is from Bolivar. And so we had this very immediate connection just by virtue of speaking the language and by sharing, you know, uh, this cultural background. And we always wanted to work on a project together. And it wasn't until a few years ago that I presented her with the, idea of um of doing cheeky and you know it was just like a you know this sort of immediately she, she attached herself to it and we just went to work on it and, and and here we are that's amazing now did you have a bridget in mind to play uh, the mother because uh cheeky is all about uh the the life of your parents immigrating to the u.s from colombia um, which I think is amazing. It's kind of like a biopic of sorts in, in episodic form. Um, do you see a little bit of Tumara, your mother, in, in Bridget? Yeah, I think that like one of the reasons that I even approached Bridget for the project, just from, from the beginning, uh, Bridget just sort of really, um, she really sort of embodied the sort of the, 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 the sort of personality and, and the sort of ethos that my mother uh, who my mother's was in her personality. And so um, it, it was just, you know, I just don't think, for me, I was like, there's no other person that could, that could play this character. Uh, because, you know, this is like a completely independent film and, you know, completely, uh, you know, resourced and financed by basically me. And so we just didn't have the resources to find a uh, casting director or anything like that. So, you know, sure. Bridget was just really the, literally the only person that I saw or that, that could play this role. And then of course she introduced me to Sebastian and to Catherine and it was just a, a perfect storm. Well, I Good. thought the performances were uh, phenomenal. 
Um, and there couldn't be a better time that this comes out with all, you know, the political atmosphere against immigrants and stuff and the stereotypes. So what I love about you is your parents don't fit that stereotype. Your dad had a little business. Your mom was an airline stewardess. And back in the day, being an airline stewardess was a pretty big deal. That's right up there with being a top model and stuff. You know, they were very mm -hmm. selective in who they chose. But yet when they come here, as the story unfolds, they're, they're having this start at the bottom and, and scrape for everything. Um, well, basically, when you, when you watch this, um, you see the strain that happens within a relationship when people start over in another country, language, the finances, and it takes a toll. So I wanted to ask you, um, how it did strain your parents' relationship first coming over here. On top of that, dealing with the fact that your mother was pregnant with you at the time. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, my, my mother was a flight attendant for Avianca and my father, he managed a tavern, a local tavern that was, he sort of inherited from a family friend. And so, you know, he, they, they didn't really have, my, the only person that had was sort of the breadwinner was my mother. And so um, when they came to this country, you know, she lost her job and, you know, my father, you know, you know had to completely reinvent or re-envision what, what, what he was going to do as a career and as a vocation. And uh, both my parents, you know, they didn't, you know, they didn't go to college. They just they basically just graduated high school and they worked in, you know, uh, their respective fields. But, you know, they didn't have uh, the they didn't have, you know, first off, they didn't have the, the language to be able to transition into something more than manual labor or more than in the service industry. So when, you know, they came here and they had the realization that, okay, I'm, you know, Cheeky, Ruth, Barreto was like, okay, I'm not going to be a flight attendant because I can't get a job as an, uh, an air, a flight attendant in any other airline because I can't speak the, the language. Um, and then my father was like, you know, I just... What, am, what else am I going to do other than, you know, work in the service industry or manual labor? So that sort of tension of, of the realization and the expectation versus the reality, I mean, definitely causes strain. I mean, it's, it's, that's in the pilot itself. You see that as, you know, one of the early arguments or discords that they have is because of that reason, because of, you know, okay, this is great. We're in the United States, but now we actually, now that the, the wool has been pulled back from our eyes, now we have to, you know, now we have to work. And that's always a very sobering and startling realization for someone, you know, that has to basically start from scratch. Can you tell us how much uh, of the um, the premiere episode was based on actual events and how much was fictional? So I would venture to say that 95% see in the first episode is uh, true to life. It actually happened um, in the way that we, we portrayed. Of course, there are some things that we sort of fictionalized or dramatized. Um, yeah. Especially like their the, the characters in the Newark, uh, you know, um, section in the beginning. The dialogue. Um, the, what's that? The dialogue. The dialogue, of course. You know, <laughs> of course. You know, some of some of the. I just remember my mom telling me certain stories, and so um, about their first, uh, you know, few months in the country, and some of it is verbatim from my mother's my mother's recollection and retelling of them. But, nice. um, but yeah, the, other than like the dialogue and the sort of like amalgamation of certain characters. It's pretty much true to life. It's very, it was their trajectory when they first got here in in, um, in the in the in the summer of 1987. And I've been to Newark. It's pretty rough, so I can vouch it for that. It is pretty rough. <laughs> the Bronx, Newark. Uh, I was in Brooklyn, so I survived. <laughs> and you're and and Carlos, you are in Harlem, right? 
Yeah, I currently live in, yeah, I currently live in Harlem. Yes. God be with you also. <laughs> Harlem, 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 you know, New York City as a whole has gotten, you know, exponentially better than, you know, yeah. obviously in the early 90s and late 80s. But there are still some parts that are still, you know, have, you know, that are very rough, but definitely not like Newark in, in 1987 or even yeah. New York City in that during that time. Yeah. <laughs> this is based on your mom. So I understand that Bridget had access to your mom uh, in terms of preparing for her character. Yes, yes, yes. I Can had it. I, I met her. About that? <laughs> oh, it was amazing. It's like a very, I was, it's a very unique and rare for an actor to meet actually the character that you're going to perform. So it's just an amazing experience. And I could talk to her about how she was feeling in that moment, what was in her head, uh, why she came, um, also get her expressions and the gestures that she has there. I found like a very comic way to do something with that. I was like, this could be funny. This could be very, I could use this tool without not uh, make her look like ridiculous or, or just mimic her also just going with her own true or who she is and what was her motivation of everything. So it was amazing. It was a great experience. She's, um, she's a wonderful person. Sebastian, did you, were you able to tap into his father? Oh, yes, I had the opportunity to share some time with uh, Carlos Sr. too, and uh, also to get some of his uh, mannerisms and his uh, way of speaking. But um, more than that was uh, to channel the experience that uh, some of us had, uh, well, for being immigrants, of course. And it was also a similar situation than the one my parents had back in the 1980s. They followed the same pattern as uh, Carlos' uh, Carlos' parents. Uh, I was born here. I'm, I'm like the, the opposite to Carlos because I was born here, but I was raised in Colombia entirely. And uh, just to try to channel that experience of hardship was, I think, uh, the most important part in playing Carlos Sr. Wow. Phenomenal job yeah. by the entire cast. I want to talk about um, recreating the 80s. Uh, how, how, how challenging was it? Uh, were there any issues... Uh, on an indie level to um, do a period piece and in the eighties specifically because the costume was great, the, the props. I mean, you, you guys did an amazing job and I felt authentically eighties, especially listening to Madonna's Crazy For You and Hearts Alone and seeing clips from uh, the Mannequin movie. <laughs> so tell us about that aspect. Yeah, I mean, this is definitely a conversation more best geared for uh Anna and and Rand but um to to put you know you know yes like you know finding you know shooting on super 16 millimeter first and foremost was a decision that me and Rand uh had made very early on in the stages because you know we really were adamant on on shooting on this format because that was the format that you saw independent cinema and also you know a lot of you know very you know television was also shot on film um and so, yeah, so it was very, the, the only way that we, that we conceived of this whole thing was shooting it on film. I mean, early on in the stages, Danny, my, my producer, you know, Danny was, um, you know, very, a little bit, you know, I don't know if we can shoot it on film. It's going to be too expensive. It's going to slow down the process. And He's I was throwing like, it on me. And I was like, there's just, <laughs> we've come a long way in digital cinema where, you know, we, you know, the Ari Alexa and any, all these other cameras, like they're able to, you know, pretty much get almost there to like say 35 millimeter but not it's just not the same as as film mm -hmm. so um and so rand and then the combination with rand and then Anna's just you know a, just an amazingly talented uh production designer and so we, you know it's just it was a these two forces just you know really 
really made made, made that book. And uh, yeah, that following, you know, prior to Anna and I had worked on a short film that was the 1925 period piece in Detroit called One Sweet Night. Mm-hmm. And that's where we had connected. So and I had uh, been the director on that. And so then I said, well, she's really great. We should bring her and she's New York based. And she had, was just graduating from uh, an MFA program at Tisch in production design, um, not to speak for her, but you know, we knew we could do period with Anna because she's an, an immaculate researcher and very, very, very attuned to detail on a limited and with a limited budget. I mean, pretty crazy. I don't know, yeah, Anna, Anna, talk to us about it. Yeah, yeah, Anna, what's the most challenging part about doing this for you? I was doing it during COVID at a time where a lot of prop shops uh, were closing down and had closed down. So just oh having access gosh, to places, right. yeah. <laughs> you know, because you build up this database of, you know, places that you rent from and that you know that you can rent from in bulk, et cetera. And then when you're facing, you know, this situation where that's just not available, um, it was definitely nerve wracking knowing that you're going to have to turn to Craigslist and whether, you know, I don't know, oh, sourcing wow. from all over the city, Facebook marketplace, etc. But then again, knowing that it would be shot on film and kind of knowing that, um, you know, sometimes like you have to rely on your graphic design skills to recreate, I don't know, the passport photos or certain like the book covers that we see of some of the hero props in the films, like oh, just wow. understanding that, you know, a lot of the story as is the case of production design anyway, because I designed for theater as well. Like I understood understood early on in my kind of shift into film that, you know, the importance of props and hand props and close-ups and, you know, how much you can carry a story with um, personal belongings. Um, like, I mean, the personal belongings of the main characters, right? So, um, yeah, I definitely tried my hardest to pay attention um, to, to detail as much as the overall color palettes, et cetera. So yeah, it was, it was a challenge, but um, being an immigrant myself, um, obviously I had a lot of uh, personal investment in the story and as much as, how should I say, you know, it's not the perfect time maybe to make a film like this in the middle of COVID, but like we're all saying, I think it is the perfect time to be telling this story. Um, so, you know, how should I say all the hardship goes out the window when you are passionate about a story when you believe in the story and when you recognize in the story that the characters are being treated with you know the humanity and the respect that they deserve Um, you know as a production designer you want to make sure that you create spaces that are going to contain the story that do the same thing so try make a budget work in the best way that you can honoring what the story is about and honoring the details um, that sing to the main I don't know particularities so it was it was such a great experience but you were brilliant I mean it it looked flawless Mm -hmm. and that was a challenge even probably going into secondhand stores you didn't know if they were open or not you know I just want to say, you know, (laughs) very closely with Anna during this whole thing. And she was awesome. And she would just be like 24 seven sending me Craigslist things. And I would sometimes run and go pick stuff up with my car. Like it was really like Mm -hmm. awesome working with her. And she was really on it, uh, finding all the pieces for this film. And before Rand talks, I just want to shout out also Lena Yoon and Sienna Dolman, who did the costume design. uh, They were they were amazing. Yeah, the Um, the wardrobe was on point. The wardrobe. 
as well um, yeah. as Alina Barada, who did the hair, hair and makeup. Oh, yeah. Devin yeah. liked the Pablo Escobar look with mustache. and <laughs> <laughs> All part of the, the New York City indie guerrilla yeah. network. Well, yeah, Daniel since we, uh... and Sophia, you guys were co-writers along with Carlos, right? We're series co-writers. They co-wrote the actual proof of concept pilot that we have screening at Sundance. So right. how how does that work? Did you did you all meet together and brainstorm, or it's or you it's get like something that somebody else wrote and different drafts, different sessions for the series? I've been working closely with Carlos on the show Bible. Carlos, um, Sophia, and I have all worked together on like the reimagined pilot. If we get picked up, you know what we would shoot then, ah, okay. um, and then you know it, I I think the initial stages for what we are screening at Sundance now mostly comes from Carlos and Sophia kind of toiling away at many, many drafts as to what we would actually shoot. Cause it, it evolved from a short film to a independent pilot um, to, you know, this isn't suited for a feature. Let's do a two part mini series, things like that. So we're, we're all just, just to add. Oh yeah, we're all film family. We've all been like working together for a long time. Like we've known each other for a long time. Me, Danny, Carlos, but also Rand. Um, we've, we all worked together a lot uh, for many years. So Rand has been a part of it for, for a while as well. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, Thanks, Rand. What's that? No, I want to hear more from Rand. Yes, Rand, yeah, come yeah. on, take the stand. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just to uh, add to, you know, for me, it was truly a, a trinity of like, the costumes, the production design, and then shooting on film to really sort of nail this 1987 yes. look. Because you have to remember, had we shot digitally, sure, maybe we could have figured out some way to actually do grain, but it just would have had a totally different feel. Um, obviously, just the way the light hits, you know, everyone, especially mm -hmm. as Carlos said, indie cinema was shooting 16 millimeter in the late 80s. So, you know, that was a big reference we pulled. Um, and also the lenses we shot on. We shot on, you know, vintage Zeiss Super Speed, Super 16 millimeter oh, lenses. Oh, you really like, did? Wow. Yeah, yeah. So it's like all the gear was very much tailored to what people would shoot on then as well. So there's a certain softness that the lenses give, um, you know, that pairs nicely with the sort of organic look of film. Um, and another funny thing that kind of came about while we were shooting and maybe... I know I mentioned this, but maybe it was more in my head. Uh, there were certain scenes, especially like daytime interiors where the lights coming through the windows and you sort of get these shadows with the blinds that for some reason reminded me of like John Hughes cinematography, yes, yes. right? And we yes. are shooting like a comedy and a drama. And so it, it didn't really, I didn't really think about it before, but as we were shooting it, I was like, oh, it's sort of an interesting reference point to pull from to like, you know, make the cinematography sort of underscored, but it also sort of, you know, hopefully has a beauty to it that just adds to the, the dream. This creative ask idea, because Al called me and asked me this, and he wants to know, and I want to know too, but whose creative idea was it to put the video of the guy and a girl on a motorcycle on the TV, and then later on you see Kiki? On a motorcycle. It was Cheeky and Joe, right? Cheeky, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And he was wondering, did that really happen or was that someone's imagination? That that was that's a complete 
imagination. Like that whole, that, that person didn't, never really existed in real life, but it's sort of the end is sort of what my mother's idea of like the American dream is. And like this idea of like this mysterious American man sort of like, you know, coming out of nowhere and sort of like, it's like a music video or it's like, it's like a film. It's like, that's how, I mean, a lot, a lot of Cheeky's understanding of American culture and what America would be like was very much influenced by uh, the music that she was listening to, the yeah. film, the television that she was watching, the music videos that were super popular on VH1 and MTV. Like, this was like my mother's idea of, of, of what the USA was. And, that, and also, this wow. is how I was raised. I was also raised like in front of the television by, by pop culture and by yes. you know, American fast food and junk food. Like, this is all, you know, this is what my mom <laughs> thought America yeah. was, it was supposed to be like. And it was also it had to do a lot with her. Re- you know, at that time, at least for, you know, I can't speak for all, you know, Colombians of, of that era, but um, Bridget once said one of the most patriotic things that Colombians do is to, is to completely just like reject their country because it's like this idea of like, you know, um, yeah, it's like there's a certain, at least my mother's generation, my, my mother in particular, is a certain kind of um, sense of emancipation that she wanted in, in, in her life. She wanted to not be Colombian. She wanted to be, she wanted a new identity. She wanted to be American. And I feel like a lot of um, a lot of Colombians of her generation, at least the people that I knew that I grew up with, there was there was always uh, there was always a sort of like um, uh, this this uh, separate kind of like and and or dynamic that they had within each other. At least the people in Long Island where I grew up with, um, there was never this sense of like community uh, within the Colombians that were in Long Island. Everyone had their own own sort of like separate little pockets where they were like their own independent force versus like a lot of Central American mm-hmm. uh, that I grew up with. They had, they had such a strong sense of family that kind of all shared. Mm-hmm. There was a community amongst them versus mm-hmm. there was no, at least where I grew up in, there was no Colombian community. So part of uh, that's, that's also something that we're going to explore in the series, not so much in the pilot, but in the, in the, in the whole um, concept, that's definitely something that's going to be examined. Yeah. Cause I was curious if Joe, uh, you know, could, Maybe you know, uh, have an affair with Jiki because I of- know I can't believe you <laughs> what I said. Ow, she's <laughs> pregnant. <laughs> I know she's pregnant, but you know, she's I was not curious. gonna jump on the back of some motorcycle. <laughs> <laughs> I guess future episodes have been written, and um, what can you say about what we can learn about the characters in, in future episodes, or is that something that we should definitely wait and stay tuned for? Definitely, definitely wait and stay tuned for, for, for if I were to give you a little sneak peek, um, it definitely examines, uh, it's, it's about their first couple of years in, in Montauk and, uh, and it shows their, their sort of rise to um, how they got to, you know, the next level in their life and how they eventually carved out their own little version of the middle class American dream. Um, and then the second, and then the second season examines, um, you know, Cheeky a little later in life, they had just had a divorce and their son is a punk rock skateboarding kid. All right. and not that they had imagined what their, their one and only son would become in, 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 in the United States. So that's, that's sort of, uh, where, where the, where the series would be going. Well, there, ca- was, there was, there was the relationship <laughs> between Catherine and Bridget, um, you know, in the film did show some tension. Um, it was a very emotional, lovely scene. Mm. And I think it spoke volumes in terms of classism as well. So if Catherine, if you want to talk a little bit about your character and that scene. 
Oh, uh, sure. Um, well, I had also the opportunity to meet uh, Chiki. So that was great because we, you know, we share about uh, how was their relationship and how was Judy in the real life. So uh, she was very impulsive and she just went uh, through what she wants all the time. So at that point, it was uh, hard for her to say goodbye to her sister, but she also was uh, selfish, you know, in a way that uh, I'm sorry, I love you, you're my sister, but I, you know, I, I'm just going <laughs> to whatever I'm going. Uh, um, so for me as an actress, and also I had a, a great uh, partner. So with Bridget, we just, uh, you know, we just got to that point. Um, but uh, one um, direction that Carlos had told me was like, she was just manipulating in a way, you know, like it's emotional in a way that you, you know, you must to, to make her feel like you're suffering, but in the deep side, you just want to go, you know, you just like, uh, I'm sorry. Um, you know, but he was like very, very, very lovely to share that scene with, um, you know, it's, I love my sister. So it was like, you know, family stuff and outside. It was, it was great. Let's well, talk was to Greg. I want to talk to Greg if we could. Yeah. What's going on, guys? Spotlight and yeah. talk about your character. Um, you were Ted. Uh, yeah, Ted, the um, the the gringo, the American the gringo. <laughs> <laughs> that that spoke very very good Spanish. So, uh, can you tell us a little bit about uh, your character and how you got involved. Yeah, so uh, I actually met Chiki and Carlos. What was that? Twelve years, fifteen years ago, Carlos. Twelve yeah, years Greg. ago. I've known Greg since I was in film school. We, me and Greg, have, we go way back. So Greg knew, was witness to Cheeky and Carlos a long time ago. Yeah, so. nice. On his thesis film in film school out at his house in Long Island. Uh, yeah, so Carlos called me up. He uh, said there was a character, Ted, in this project he was working on. And me and Carlos have worked on several projects together along with Rand. And uh, so... And I know Sophia through Carlos and Rand and Danny through Carlos and Rand. So I was very familiar with everyone that was on board. And he called me up and said, I have this part for you. I'm doing this film about my you know, mom and dad immigrating to, uh, to the Hamptons or Montauk. And I have a part for you. And I was like, I'm in. Just tell me when and where <laughs> I'll be there. Uh, nice. You picked up Spanish uh, from working on it. You already spoke Spanish prior. Uh, my wife is Puerto Rican. Oh, well, there you go. 27 years. So oh. able to pick up a little something in that 27 years. Okay. But it was interesting being in that, in those scenes when Sebastian and Bridget and Catherine were speaking, they were speaking so quickly and it's yes. a different dialect. I really had no idea what they were saying. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just trying to grab words as they were going, but I, I'm sure that's what Ted experienced also. You know, right. Trying to assimilate to that environment uh so yeah it was an interesting role i i enjoyed it really enjoyed it so now that the um the project is a part of the sundance indie episodic program what's next in 2022 how can the wider audience see cheeky yeah, so as of right now, um, you know, we are currently in the midst of like the whole film festival circuit. So um, 
throughout the line, you know, throughout this year, it's, it's going to, it's going to be premiering other, other film festivals um, across the country and hopefully internationally. Uh, and then hopefully, you know, in, you know, the next year or so, you know, it could be the, the reality of it being an entire series um, is very possible. So that's, uh, that's something to look forward to. I think it all has all the potential uh, to, to make it on a platform. It, it's brilliant and it's, it's heartwarming and uh, there's a really great story to be told. So congratulations to all involved. Thank you so Wonderful. much. Thank you. Very, very, yeah. Oh, I said hopefully all shot on super 16 millimeter. Yes. yes. One of the rare TV shows <laughs> that might hopefully all be on film. Yeah. Got it. Dale, dale. He's not gonna let that go. That is a filmmaker to the soul yeah. of art. Yes. Awesome. And I love Thank the soundtrack. You so much, guys. I love yeah. the soundtrack, guys. You had Heart, you had Tears for Fears, Madonna, Crazy for You. Literally one of my favorite Madonna songs. <laughs> um, and Al, I think I was the only one on set that actually remembered when they came out. Oh, <laughs> is that right? <laughs> <laughs> Well, I tell you, I'm not telling you my age, but I remember all of that. Yeah, I remember it too. So, I, was, I was just a small baby, though. Right, exactly. We're all little kids. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. And is there any websites or social media for the film? It's the coming film soon. We'll, it's okay. coming soon. We're, we'll be on Facebook, Instagram pages. Um, okay. Right now we're trying to keep up with like festival demands. Very nice. Well, awesome. Well, we will. Uh, uh, yeah, we'll uh, definitely uh, keep our ears open and ears and I'm eyes in, open I'm for more. Incredibly proud of you guys. I'm I'm just mm-hmm. so excited uh, mm-hmm. that we've got more Latins out there, and uh, mm-hmm. just for everyone, just everyone pushing for the diversity and and showing everyone we're just more of the same than we are different. Mm-hmm. Um, and and you know it's a great job, and I I hope the next festival. You'll be able to go in person and your parents can come. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. We really want to bring we really want to bring as a company like the forefront of like modern Latinx cinema, especially Carlos and I is like a super big goal of ours to to continue that kind of legacy that we're that we're building now. Yeah. And we've been doing it, but you know, now we're at Sundance. So all right. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. This is great. This has been wonderful. Yeah, but there, but it's not just. I hope everybody wins. <laughs> Thank you. All right, Royal Rumble time, oh, Big Paul. I know you want to talk wait. wrestling, and Paul, I know you always love talking about. I love talking about it too. But again, you're one of the only hosts on Below the Box yeah, show that appreciates who, who like is into wrestling. I mean, it just doesn't make sense. Because wrestling is so entertaining, right? <laughs> Let's talk about this Royal Rumble we're going to see this Saturday, which is very smart. They're not doing it on Sunday because, as you know, it's AFC-NFC uh, championship um, games, right? You know? I mean, it's like the Bengals and the Chiefs and it's Los Angeles Rams, you know? And uh, be a Ravens if you didn't keep going for twos. Right. So, exactly. It could have been the Ravens, exactly, but we went for two. But, but anyways, let's just talk about the Royal Rumble, guys. So, let's talk about the, the four feature matches, and then we'll talk about the Rumble match. So, we're going to see Roman Reigns versus Seth freaking Rollins. Do you know that freaking is actually a part of his build name now? Seth yeah, freaking Rollins. It just sounds so weird, doesn't it? 
<laughs> I'll I, mean, like, I, I see. I could see saying Seth Rogen while Rollins every so often, but actually adding that to his name makes no sense. Well, it makes sense only because he's been saying it for so long. It just wasn't really a part of the official title of his name, right? Yeah. So, um, you know what? Expect a phenomenal match. I mean, of course, this is a match we've seen before many times, but, sure. um, but, and, and they're both playing the role of heel. So it's like when you see the two heel, you know, heels go at it, and uh, okay. I, I expect I expect Roman to retain because, as you know, Seth is a part of the Raw roster. Roman Reigns is clearly the champion over at SmackDown with the Universal Championship. Um, but again. This really has to do with the fact when Roman got COVID, they had to make some changes, right? So that's why um, we'll talk about the next match. Brock Lesnar uh, is now your WWE champion. He's defending the WWE championship, and this is a first-time match. And I really think this should have been on WrestleMania because this is a a first encounter of two big heavyweights, MMA background super athletes going head to head for the very first time, Darth Wallace. I think you're hundred percent right about it. It should have been a WrestleMania match, but I think they had to rush it because you're right. The Roman Reigns got COVID. So they needed a big match and they were like, Hey, let's just throw Brock in it, rush it a little bit, then go on to the next thing. I'm just curious where they're going to go for WrestleMania now, now that we're seeing Bobby versus Brock. I mean, I guess, I guess the loser could, I'm beginning WrestleMania for uh, like a revenge, maybe. Maybe throw somebody else. Anyway, I mean, it's hard to say. I'm, I'm really curious which way they're going to go with it. But um, and who is going to? I think both championships are going to be retained. Is another prediction of mine. See, I don't know about that. I, I could really. Brock, I could see Brock losing just because they give it to Brock so many times. And then really? Brock WrestleMania just for revenge, just because he lost. I mean, he might. It might be a. They might do a rest. You think they might do the WrestleMania rematch for this for this match? Okay. I, I think that if I were WWE, that's what I would do. Okay. Because I mean, such a marquee match. Yeah. Where... They could go and they could go a gimmick match route for mm-hmm. for the WrestleMania match, but uh, yeah. I mean, the thing is, is like I originally I know they originally wanted Brock Lesnar. And Roman Reigns to headline WrestleMania, but I think I can predict where they're going. Uh, they're going to go in a little bit different direction. Yeah, I, I think we'll, they're going to go a different direction too. But we'll, we'll talk about we'll talk about that when we get to the Royal Rumble match. So also we're going to get Becky Lynch defending her Raw Women's Championship against Dewdrop. What do you think of Dewdrop? I don't know. I don't agree with that match because I mean, it's like <laughs> unless they have Dewdrop drop really like upset Becky Lynch, which I don't even know if fans would accept that. So it's like, just seems kind of like a match, just not necessary yet. I mean, okay. maybe give it a little bit of time. If you drop, build herself up a little bit, like through the rest of the roster. I mean, it just seems like it's rushed. That's just okay. Yeah. I don't know. I'm just as sold as a Drew drop as a, as a contender yet. I mean, she's a good worker. She, she puts her yep. size to, to her advantage against a lot of the more yep. much smaller, um, female superstars in WWE. Um, but but I'm really looking forward to this mixed tag team match. So we have Edge and Beth Phoenix. They're both Hall of Famers. They're both married versus my buddy The Miz 
and his wife, Maurice, future Hall of Famers, of course, in a mixed tag team match. Um, I can't see Miz and Maurice winning this. Um, there's no reason, real reason for them to win this. I really think, uh, in my prediction, will be then again, I, they do have the TV show, so maybe it could be they have the popularity behind them, so maybe they're just. But they don't them really them. need. They don't need to win, though. They're still over, you know. So yeah, I, right. I, I, I really believe Beth will will pin Maurice, and that's how that match is going to end. We'll, we'll see. I mean, that's just my prediction from watching. A lot of WWE over the years, it, it sometimes is very formulaic, you know. So, yeah, I, mean, uh, I, I, I mean, I'll well here. I'll let you talk first about what's coming up. I think. Okay. Um, but uh, let's first of all talk about the women's World Rumble match. Okay. So here are the participants, participants so far: Carmella, Dana Brooke, Nikki Ash, which I think she needs to get rid of that gimmick. That's a dumb. That's a dumb again. It's horrible, isn't it horrible? I mean, unless you have her team up with Hurricane. I mean, it's like kind of a yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, we have Queen Zelina, Rhea Ripley, Tamina, Aaliyah, Charlotte Flair, Naomi, Natalia, Shayna Baszler, Shotzi, and then some great names from the past, including some Hall of Famers like Brie and Nikki Bella, Lita, um, and of course some great legends that are not hall of famers yet kelly kelly michelle mccool the undertaker's wife summer ray and just recently added is bianca belair and Liv morgan which of course they have to be in it but one name in particular has brought up a lot of headlines and that's mickey james mickey james is currently the impact impact knockouts champion so they're talking about this forbidden door you know what the Forbidden Door is. Basically, you're bringing honestly, in other promotions on on another promotion's TV show. That's the Forbidden I, Door. I honestly think that that's probably good for both companies because yeah, I'm under an impression. Like, I mean, it seems like Impact had a falling out with AEW, and WWE is like, hey, we could get some extra talent that we could desperately use and um, help promote both products. You know, I think that was one of the wisest things that AEW was doing early on was that cross promotion. Why the, they dropped the ball on that, I don't know. Yeah. But it just, I guess, didn't really work out. But if WWE wants to to, to take advantage of that, I'm WWE all done it like years and years ago with New Japan. I mean, back in the 80s. I mean, it does work. I mean, you just have yeah. to. So, you know, they also reached out to the Iconics. And they have a new name, I think, the Inspiration over yeah, the Impact. Yeah, I heard they're, they're not happy about doing it because, I mean, well, I don't blame them. They, were, they, 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 really, they didn't really wrong. feel like it was it was appropriate for them to come back because they were released. And uh, it would have been another forbidden door um, if they – and, of course, there's, there's still spots left. I, again, those are the two releases that I'm the most disappointed uh, as far as the women being released recently in WWE are the, the Iconics. Yeah, I mean, they they were starting to promote the Iconics as a separate individuals, and they just dropped the ball with it. They never finished the storylines out with a lot of guys they released. I mean, it just makes no sense. Yeah, but you know, I mean, they're beautiful. They work well. I, I don't I don't see why. I, I, sometimes I don't really know what's going on in the mind of 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 the I mean, top I, brass I when they want I, to release people. As I said, I think all this comes down to is just um, con. I mean, I think Nick Khan just doesn't know how to run the company. I think he's, like, basically on what people are making and how much they get used. But, I mean, 
you don't use everybody 100%. You work people in and out. And I don't think he understands that. So he's getting rid of wrestlers before either their storylines come up or they, they're getting ready to be used. And it puts the WWE in a hard situation where they have a lack of talent and yeah. getting rid of talent that could be something before they even give it a chance because he doesn't understand how to run it. I mean, yeah. I, he's a good dollars and cents guy, but you can't run an entertainment company like that. You right. have to run it with the fans one sometimes. Yeah, and that's the thing. That's why they're bringing in all these names from the past because they're they've released so many of the roster that they still have names to put in the Royal Rumble to make thirty competitors. In fact, one name being floated around, which I really hope is the case because we really need her back, is Ronda Rousey. Yeah, I heard that too. I was going to just mention that. Would huh? you like to see Ronda Rousey back in the WWE? I would like to see her come back after the Royal Rumble. So I mean, like maybe like. After say, okay. hey, I'm going to challenge the winner of this because I think if you put her in it, you're just going to expect her to win, and if she does anything but win, you'd just be disappointed. But I mean, but that opens the door for WrestleMania, and I think that would be the best opportunity to bring her back for WrestleMania. I think I think she's coming back at WrestleMania too. I have a hunch. Yeah, I have a hunch, and let's let's just hope about hope. Or that, even like maybe, the, or what if she just comes in and like knocks Dewdrop out and just kind of takes Dewdrop's spot. I mean, that, I that could be. Too. I don't see that happening in that match. I, I see it happening in the Rumble. And now pay attention. So when Ronda Rousey debuted at the Royal Rumble, notice that the women's Royal Rumble was the last match on the card. If it, if the women's Royal Rumble is the last match on the card again, then you're going to expect right, something from like Ronda. Yeah. But we'll have to see what's in the uh, you know which match you know airs yeah. first. You know? Um, but let's go on to the men's Royal Rumble match. So the participants so far are Randy Orton, Matt Riddle, which they dropped Matt uh, for whatever reason, yeah, Kevin yeah. Owens, Happy Corbin, Madcap Moss, AJ Styles, Rey Mysterio, and his son Dominic Mysterio, Austin Theory, who's like Vince's favorite, even though it's Vince's favorite on television. I think behind the scenes, Vince is like, let's push this guy. I got Austin Theory. Kofi Kingston, Big E, Damian Priest, the United States champion, Sheamus, Sami Zayn, Omos, Montez Ford and Angelo Dawkins, Chad Gable and Otis, the tag team champions of Raw, and Dolph Ziggler and Robert Roode, the Dirty Dogs, and a celebrity entrant. None other than Johnny Knoxville of Jackass. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that think? one doesn't make any sense at all to me. It's like no, it makes perfect sense. We had Bad Bunny last year, Paul. Bad Bunny. <laughs> yeah, I guess okay? he had Bad. Yeah, I guess he had Bad Bunny last year. I guess I guess and it doesn't Bad make. Bad Bunny can show that he could work, and you know, fucking Johnny Knoxville does some crazy ass stuff in in, yeah, in Jackass. Does crazy ass stuff brings Steve him because he's more crazy than Johnny Knoxville. Steven would be great too, but yeah. Now, who do you want to see in the men's Royal Rumble that hasn't been announced yet? I think I know the number one name. It's clearly Drew McIntyre. They haven't dropped his name yet, but my prediction is Drew. I think this might be Drew's moment. We only saw Drew versus Roman Reigns once, and it was a, and it was SummerSlam. No, sorry, Survivor Series champion versus champion. But we haven't seen. Drew McIntyre challenged Roman for the title, and I think that would be a great WrestleMania match. I mean, do you think he's healthy enough? Isn't he hurt right now? 
I don't think he's hurt. I think no. Have you heard that he was hurt? I don't think he's hurt. I don't um, think he's hurt. Maybe I'm wrong. But I, I mean, think I would love kind of, to see that. I, mean, I, I think, think that would be a great match. I think they're keeping it on the DL because maybe they want it to be a big surprise at the, at the Royal Rumble. But I would like to see a big name from the past come back. You know, not Goldberg. Goldberg. I mean. You know, it wouldn't surprise me. Yes, yeah, I guess you could bring the Undertaker him because his wife's there, and it's like, and then you'll be like, yeah. hey, he's mania, so he never really got the retirement match. You know, that the, the, the that final retirement match, he never got that. The Undertaker that, never got that. Back so. surgery, they say he is doing better now, so maybe he's healthy enough to do one good retirement match. Yeah, and I mean, we saw Shawn Michaels a few years ago in in Abu Dhabi, right? So. Maybe maybe Shawn Michaels will be amazing, um, but I really think they need to. I heard rumors of Stone Cold possibly. I mean, I don't know. Is Stone Cold healthy enough? I don't know. They, they know? said he had surgery too, and they say he's better. But I mean, I, I don't know. Yeah, but I really okay. hope. Other than Drew, I do hope we have a draw jaw dropping moment. This is the best thing yeah. about the Royal Rumble when they leave spots that are not you know filled yet. Is for that WTF. Well, actually, you know, Holy like, shit. We have the you know? we have the Evercore of TNA. So I mean, what about some of the big TNA? I mean, yeah, TNA Impact stars that they could bring in. I mean, yeah, I, I would like maybe a couple of them, but not. I would really want a big, big yeah. main eventer from the past to come back. And whether it's Shawn Michaels, whether it's Goldberg, whether it's um, John Cena, you know. Um, Anybody ever or, signed? Strowman? What about Braun Strowman? I mean, because he's, so Braun. He's, interestingly enough, I've heard that Braun Strowman wants to sign with Impact. But what, what's crazy if he does sign with Impact, he technically can appear the same way Mickey. Like, yes, the same way Mickey James appears as the Impact Knockouts Champion. Braun right. Strowman could be in this Royal Rumble too. I think Big Paul, that would be a great. Holy shit, that's awesome! He's back moment. I really think WWE dropped the ball. I mean, granted, he was being paid a ton of money. Money, but I think it was just the, the timing when he signed his contract. He, they, he just they, they just gave him anything. Right, but I yeah, I think they should have negotiated a new contract, something that was a little more agreeable Brilliant. on both parties, and he should come back. So we'll just have to wait and see what happens. But we know one wrestler that probably won't be in the Royal Rumble, and that's Mustafa yeah, Ali. Mustafa Ali really uh, wants out of his WWE contract, and WWE is not letting him go. It's crazy. They're de- releasing people that don't yep. want to go. They want to well, keep their jobs, he- but they're keeping people that want to get. They want it out, and it's not fair. Let the guy go well, if he wants to go. What Ali actually did, and he actually uh, blocked WWE on Twitter. So there you go. I mean, so so, I, and I believe what we're reading on the sheets is is accurate that he got in a backstage, alter, you know, heated argument with Vince McMahon, because I guarantee Vince wanted to do him something controversial about his Muslim, you know, give him like a terrorist angle or something crazy like that, which Mustafa Ali doesn't want to do. You know, I mean, he he already. I mean, a lot of Muslim Americans are already living here in America, living their lives. Mohammed Hassan's career. I mean, like trying to right, do right. It, it didn't work. The, the whole terrorist gimmick did not work. I guarantee you, that's what Vince probably wanted. But no, no, it's fucking 2022. Back in the 80s, that would have been fine because I mean, you could have just put him with the Iron Sheet yeah, and you could have tag team. No, that, you know what? And then of course with Abu Dhabi and, and Saudi Arabia, 
with, with, with WWE doing uh, events over there. It's just ridiculous. And of course, uh, they're doing uh, the next pay-per-view uh, after the Royal Rumble, uh, the Elimination Chamber. They're doing that in uh, Saudi Arabia. I'm so Elimination Chamber is going to be in Saudi Arabia. Elimination Chamber in Saudi Arabia. Can you believe it? I mean, the Elimination Chamber was really just a. Fi- it, it, it's all about I mean, having a great, kind of great one, match. But I mean, it's still a decent match. It's still a kind of cool match if you think about it. If they do it right, it's, it's all just about having that cool, that cool gimmicky match. Right, which I don't think anything special or crazy will happen, you know. But um, I kind of think they should bring that old WC. I mean, WWE, no WCW cage back. That multi-level one. I thought that was kind of a cool cage, but. Yeah, so and then we see WrestleMania. Um, we'll, we'll see WrestleMania in Dallas in uh, in April second and third. And I'm happy to announce, actually, here on Below the Belt Show, that I will be attending WrestleMania. Oh, that's cool! Congratulations. Uh, yes, yes. Uh, a friend, a friend of mine that organized our uh, WrestleMania trip in New York, um, or you know, actually they're from New York, anyways. Um, so I got to experience WrestleMania uh, two years ago. And, uh, yeah, uh, we'll get to experience WrestleMania once more in Dallas, Texas. Now, now do you think that would be the perfect, uh, like, retirement match for Undertaker? Because think about it. He's from Texas. Like, he can yeah. retire in his hometown, and it's like. Yeah. Yeah, so so if you notice, they haven't announced any Hall of Fame names yet. But, uh, yeah, it could be it could be Undertaker's last ride, literally. His last uh Batch retirement because, match I mean, go out his own play. terms. I mean, him and maybe Stone Cold because Stone Cold from Texas. I mean, it's like those. Well, two, Stone I mean, Cold will be. A, I think he'll be a part of the I card. Mean, but as you know, he's already inducted. Saying, like as an announcer, or as a. Yeah, okay. he's already inducted the Hall of Fame, but I, you, I don't think we'll ever ever see Stone Cold wrestle again. I think that's pretty much done. Yeah. So, but let's bring the Rock back. Let's bring Cena back. Let's bring like all the names: Brock, Goldberg. You know, bring. All the big names for WrestleMania. You got to. You got to. I don't. Anything. I don't think. I don't think the. Rock, it depends on the Rock's schedule. His schedule is pretty crazy. Cena's schedule is not as crazy as the Rock's. Sure. TV for so it's like after the TV show is done. I mean, I guess I'll have some downtime because when right. you do a TV show, you have more. You have to devote more time, but once that's done, you have a little bit free time after that. So. Right. But the Rock, well, that, I mean, it seems like he has a nonstop schedule for who knows how. Oh, long. dude, he, I mean, he's overworked, dude. The guy's producing Young Rock. He's in all these blockbuster movies. I mean, the guy, the guy. He's yeah. talking about buying the WWE. That's how much work he's doing. <laughs> and rumored to run for president, but I stay out of politics, Rock. As much yeah, as I'm a big fan. But Big Paul, that's all I have uh, for for WWE, and of course. Uh, um, yeah, that's all I have. Do you have anything? Uh... Um, no, no, nothing I could think of. I mean, because yeah. there's more uh, impact guys to come over for like yeah. prizes and exactly doing what. But again, I mean, watching AEW, seeing all the big names like CM Punk and Daniel Bryan, Brian Danielson, of course, um, and all like you know the big NXT stars like you know Kyle O'Reilly and uh, yeah, Adam see, Cole. Right. Adam Cole. That's where WWE screwed up because originally they probably should have just kept NXT as a developmental thing and built guys up and then brought them up instead of taking champions from other things and then just throwing them in NXT and it's just like I just think that hurts. It's, yeah, NXT. I I've been trying to catch up on it. It's just not the same. Pro, the 2.0 pro, uh, product is just 
not as anywhere near it's, as good it's, as Blackpool. It should be a minor league for wrestling. I mean, that's what it should be. It should be a B show, maybe like thrown on Saturday nights. It is a B show, yeah. But it, it, it's a change of pace, and it's a good way to see new talent. So they got some hot, they got some hot girls in there too. Ooh, Gigi Dolan, holy smokes! Oh yeah, right. Andy Hartwell, and uh, what's the new girl on the? Like, what's here's the, the new- thing with a lot of girls that they've had recently? They get rid yeah. of them before they make a debut. So it's like it's true. Sometimes you get rid of them. Yeah. What's the hot chick on a skateboard? I like her too. Yeah, I forget her name. Um, yeah, she's yeah, she's hot too. I mean, there's they got a lot of talent, and that's that's probably why I'll yeah. continue to tune in. And of course, Mandy Rose is on NXT now too, so that's another reason <laughs> to tune in as well. But uh, anyways, it's been a great show, Big Paul. I'd like to thank, of course, here on BTB, uh, the rest of the panel, including actor Vince Eisenstein, actor Victor Dobro. and of course, actor Ian Collins, our special celebrity guest from Snowpiercer on btb and uh i guess that's it i guess on behalf of myself and paul darth wallace the sith lord i am a sith lord we will see you guys next week until then peace well it has been a ill show tonight and i think we have all learned some valuable lessons this is your bot for the bad boys of baltimore saying Until next time, keep chilling. Like a villain.